Well, that's not the first thing I thought you'd take off, but... Uh... Yeah. You seem like a man who's gagging for some action, Mr. Bond. Shall we cut to the chase? I'm here as a professional courtesy. Well, you're not very courteous, are you? You've broken my car. It's Commander Bond. You know that. Double O? Two years. Very young. High achiever. Oh, Jesus Christ. The world's moved on since he retired, Commander Bond. Perhaps he didn't notice. No, can't say I had. And in my humble opinion, the world doesn't change very much. You had to say that. Look, this all seems like heaven. This little bubble or whatever. <laughs> but it's so obvious you're a man who only has time to kill. Nothing to live for. Episode 219 of Do You Expect Us Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow film fans and Bond nerds, Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. It was always going to take, take a long time to get to episode 219, because you've got to do 218 first. Hello, Chris. How are you this evening? <laughs> um, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be talking about a new Bond movie, because, you know, seeing as we ages. are... We started off as a Bond movie podcast. Um, it just feels like a bit for... How long has it been? Like, what, five years? Six years. Here we go for six. six years, and here we are. I mean, I'll, I'll excuse the pandemic. I'll excuse the, you know, COVID for for, for that. You know, I'll, 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 I'll minus them a year for that. I like five. Let's, let's that's, put, that, let's that was out of your control. Of, but... Let's put a couple of things into context. Um, when the last Bond film was released, uh, I think it was something like episode seven for us. So um, that's how long ago it was in episodes. In terms of our lives, I'm now a chrome dome and I had a full head of hair. You're a married man. (laughs) I'm a married man. I've met my wife. Chris is engaged, hadn't met his future wife. And uh, Chris was just starting an access to higher education course. And you've been a qualified (laughs) nurse for how long? (laughs) He's been a qualified nurse for Uh, two years. For getting on for two years. Yeah. Yeah. The time it takes to do a medical degree. Effectively. Essentially. Um, I, I, I lived in a different house. It was about two jobs ago. Um, it's been a very, very, very long I've time. I've moved twice. Our listeners have maybe had children, <laughs> had a family, moved house. Got divorced. Got a car. <laughs> but there's people got divorced. With, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Other, other milestones have happened. I'm sure loads of us have like, dated that people time. that have been in gone years ago in that time. But um, yeah, so let's, uh, <clears throat> let's uh, oh, start. I've got cats, I've got dogs, you know, got pets. Oh, I, I, my cat was my cat was two months. No, my cat, cat was four months old when I did the last Bond film with you guys, and she's six years old now. So yeah. Oh, um, 
Okay, so Becca, what are we covering tonight? I am pleased to announce tonight we are reviewing No Time to Die. Pay attention, listeners. This is our spoiler cast. If you haven't seen the film, um, so if you perhaps a listener in America or Australia where the film has yet to be released, please pause it here, hang on just a little bit longer, go and see the film and then come back and listen to us because it's all it's all out in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and we will be discussing been, um... quite a lot of things and this is going to be a spoiler cast. So please, if you live in a territory where it hasn't yet been released, please hold off. Kindly wait for a little yeah. bit and then come back and listen to I, us. I'll add one point to that. And the point I'll add is, Personally speaking, I'm not normally that sensitive to spoilers. I don't mind going to Marvel. Well, no, yeah, if, if you're sensitive to spoilers, that's fine. But otherwise, if not, you have been warned. You if have been warned. If you've got even the slightest sensitivity to spoilers, you don't want to hear anything about this film. This isn't like someone telling you that Blofeld and Bond were <laughs> foster brothers. You know, no, this it, is like life-changing. Th- th- there are far, far bigger reveals within this film. So do not listen to the rest of this if you don't want to know things that you may not end up liking when you see the film, to be quite honest. Likewise, if you don't care, if you want to know every dirty little detail, um, I'm sure there's probably be stuff that we maybe forget to cover, I don't know. Um, but likewise, if you don't mind any spoilers, and that's fine, stay with us. Happy to have you with us. But likewise, if you haven't seen the film yet and don't want to have anything spoiled, please kindly wait, and we'll have you, you know, listen later on. Anyway. I'm having to... Um... You know, keep my voice down because I'm I'm living with living with my uh, partner who um, who are going to be seeing it on Tuesday and uh, oh. so she hasn't seen it so I'm on strict, I'm on strict instructions not to spoil it for so her. So at the end of the, so at the, the end, end of this, when you start describing spoilers. stuff that didn't happen, <laughs> you're throwing her off the scent. I could um, believe. Do you want to wait? <laughs> I could believe he took up darts. <laughs> off the record, do you want to wait a little bit until you've seen it or? Would you rather yeah, come back it's, later? A, it's a real twist with um, with uh, him coming out to Blofeld and yeah, and then getting <laughs> off together. It's really I know. And he you, was gay. Who knew? He was just pleased it wasn't Robert Darby because he would have just got jealous. Watching <laughs> that. <laughs> My GQ Q's came out as Nijay's Bond as a woman. <laughs> yeah, in a in a really kind of um, uh, sort of throwaway way, which 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 would be very easy to edit out if you if you're enjoying it, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, sa- the, you know, yeah, the Saudis are probably like editing that bit out, you know. But all it is is he's I mean, uh, he's yeah. He's, I mean, it's, 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 it's not not not, not the it's gay. Ben Whishaw gay himself. The actor's gay. I, I have no issue with it. Yeah. At all. I've actually seen people complaining. Bond is not gay, being you know, Q being gay and stuff, and it's like, oh fuck off. I mean, it's not it's not yeah. like it. Bond walked in and fisting someone. How dare they insult Desmond? He was gay. He was a man's man. Um, oh, oh, I mean this one. Oh, to okay. be honest, uh, the actor's gay. Um, I, I kind of, I, I, he, you might guess he was as well in some respects. And you know, grow up, it's part of life, and um, it's not a big part of the film. He didn't walk in with uh, Ben Whishaw getting it on with some fella or something. He was just having a meal that night. It was clearly a romantic meal because he was nervous, and the gentleman would be there in twenty minutes. So yes, clearly he is. Um, either gay or bisexual as a character, but it's not a big part of the film. It's rather throwaway. Yeah, you you, you could literally miss it if uh, you like not like I, if, I, you, yeah, if you're not listening very carefully. You... Yeah, he's having a meal and someone's coming round. You've only got to slightly miss that line listen. where it's clear it's a male. Um, yeah, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you think uh, whatever your views on representation, if you had a problem with it based on this little sort of throwaway thing, 
okay. you're the problem, not the film. Um, so, um, in terms, I don't of, really care about it. To be honest yeah. with you, it's one of those things which just like ugh. it's it's there. Yeah, it's just like yeah, I can I can understand it to one degree. It's like why it doesn't need to be there, but. It, it also yeah, in, it's so in the previous film. Like, in the previous film, Money Penny had a man in her bed. No one went a man in her bed. Why what do you mean? Do you mean the... Money Penny? Money Peasant isn't isn't lesbian? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> sacrilege. She thrust her love of cock in. Nobody went. Money Penny is having a man who isn't Bond. Like what? You know, she's like, oh, do you have relationships outside of the office? You know. Yeah. Um, we even saw that in Golden Eye, you know, it's like I, I didn't hang around the office waiting for 007 to turn up, don't you know? So it's like, ah, you tell them. I go home and just think of myself. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, let's get on with she, it. Should we listen to Barry Manilow next? Oh. <laughs> come on, listen to Barry, Barry Manilow next. She has come so far. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's moved on from Barry. <laughs> so, viewings. I saw this uh, on Thursday night, which there was the wide opening in the UK, so the 30th. I, I saw it like a late afternoon screening, like 4.45, something like that. And then I actually went again Saturday morning for like a 9am, 10am screening, I think it was. Uh, so I have seen this film twice. First time I went with my wife. Uh, second time I went on my own and just sort of tried to see what details I could pick up from, from the first time. Becca, yourself? Um, let's hear from Chris. What was his experience? What screening did he go to? What did you think of it? Well, I mean, I think your first experience is a lot more interesting. You went to the premiere, didn't you, Becca? I did, but I want to hear about you first, and then I'll go into it in a minute. Yeah, oh, so, well, so, so she I can mean... upstage you and make you look a bit shit. <laughs> yes. No, just well... so I can finish typing up some information in my introduction. All right. Think... So I've got to do the cast list. Um... I haven't done that yet. Ah, okay. I... Well, you just read off uh, Wikipedia. But, uh, well, but, yeah, um, I need to get yeah, there first, but yeah. Oh, well, as long as that guy off the talk forum hasn't deleted it. No. I read of Bond fans like deleting the information on Wikipedia because they're so disgusted about the spoilers, and I'm like, why are you going to uh, like oh, an encyclopedia page on the film? It might tell you. <laughs> like, stuff. if you didn't, no, if you, if you really, if look, if you wanted, look, sorry, if you go on the Wikipedia page and and read the plot of a film that you've not yet seen and then get pissed off about it being spoiled for you. You're fucking We moron. have had twats posting on spoiler-free Bond pages and going, oh, he dies and all this sort of thing. They get deleted, but some people have been spoiled accidentally. And it's impossible to mute everything or remember to mute everything. Um, I, I do sympathise with some spoilers, but not if you go into Wikipedia. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think it's one of the rules just... Just kind of, if you really don't want to have something like this spoiled for you, that, that, don't read comment section. That said, um, that avoid, said, avoid social media to limit this is, this is, if you're bothered. I mean, this would be like delaying the Empire Strikes Back by a couple of weeks in the UK in the internet era. You're gonna find out like Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Um, I, I think the delay on the release this time, given the details of the film, which the distributors would know is very, very unfair on North American listeners, uh, viewers, sorry, cinema goers. I mean, yes, I do wonder how much of an impact that it'll be, especially in, you know, this day and age. And especially when you've got, like, you know, the options of streaming and things like that as well, you know, it's like, why, why isn't it being released, like, at the same same time? It's just I, a, I don't know. It's just it, it, it seems like it... Streaming is streaming is one issue. I mean, that was an issue as far back as the Matrix sequels. Why are you putting them out on different time schedules? People can get hold of copies of files. Might take ages to download, but it's possible. 
social media, which has now been with us quite a long time, you know, but, uh, but that's kicked it up another notch. You know, it's as simple as that. That um, yes, you can mute words, and people always blame the person who gets spoiled. Well, it's your fault. You know, you've got to mute things and stay off social media. And you think, well, everyone you bloody knows on social media, you're supposed to stay off it for like you know ten days in total. Because some dick might say something on a Facebook page, or you might forget. It, this should this should I be a worldwide release. The, the the way the way that it kind of works, you you can kind of imagine. It's like um, you know, it's in, like you say, you're in Empire Strikes Back is that 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 bit in The Simpsons where Homer walks out saying, "Oh, I can't believe, can't believe us people are queuing up to see it." Yeah. Um, I, I imagine that like you know, before social media, if it wants social media, it would just be people like like hearing people like. Talk talk about stuff in passing, like you know when you're in a cafe or somewhere or 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 whatever public place, and someone's like talking, about, oh, new bomb movie, or bloody blah, blah, blah. But it would carry yeah. it would oh carry the God, air of rumor. If you were in a cafe in North America now and you overheard someone say, oh, "I know a Brit who claims this, that, and the other," you don't know how reliable that is. But um, mm. it is what it is. It's come out, so we're releasing this ahead of North America. Normally, I take it for what it is. I think they should all come out at the same time. Having said that, I accept that for years we were behind on releases, so it's kind of a bit. You Suck know, it up. <laughs> I would normally think that. I don't think that this time, to be honest. I, th- I think yeah. this is this is unfair uh, because I would struggle to think some of our most sort of connected listeners are going to be able to avoid this till till they get the release, which is still five days away. Spectre was two weeks, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but as I say, I, I just don't think spoiling Spectre is yeah. as big a deal. I really mm. don't, you know. If, if some people are sensitive, they don't want to know anything, and I could understand spoilers. Well, for the that, title itself hurt. is a spoiler. It's like, yeah, it oh, Christopher Fultz is a <coughs> is a Oberhauer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that, that famous Spectre about, chief, well, Franz Oberhauser. But he's called Spectre. Yeah, yeah, but he's not Blofeld. Of course, he's right. not. The, the one of the most <laughs> hot sort of villain stroke anti heroes in. Um, in Hollywood at the moment, who's just won back-to-back Oscars or close to two, two Oscars in three years or something. Uh, but no, no, no. And we know what Ian are do, it doing. Yeah, they wanted you because they thought you would be playing. You know, it, 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 it always depends when they cast these things. You know, who, who they're going to get. Hence, Rami Malek's in it this time. He's what's hot right now, and that will be one of my issues with the film. Chris, when did you see it? Did you want to talk about As a, a Bond enthusiast. Um... It's basically my fault. I should have I should have basically requested a day off, but basically I was like I, I was working that day, so I literally left from my you know uh, thirteen hour shift and went straight to the cinema machine to the cinema and um, watched it, and then went went back went back home, slept, got up and did another thirteen hour shift. And that was my that was basically my my my, my aim was like right well, I I need to see this, but I need but you know I've I've a I've waited long enough, but yeah. also with this I'm very much like. I have to at least see it as soon as I let it wash over me before I watch it properly. Yeah. Um. So, but I, but I can say I do need to like see it properly. I've only seen it the once thus far, um, and it was it was a proper. It was the first time I was set in a cinema and it was absolutely packed. It felt weird. Um. I mean, obviously, I it was, I, you know when I saw Spectre, it was packed, but then it was as you'd expect expect it to be almost but now it's like this is like you know war to war screenings all day on a tuesday and you know given that like cinemas have, have been struggling i mean i mean people have, have been going but it's not 
been as busy as it was, say, ten years ago. No, I mean, um, I, I'm seeing, I've seen uh, photos inside cinemas, and I think it was Germany where the film's already out, and they looked pretty empty. And someone mm-hmm. commented on it saying, well, that looks really empty for the first week. And they said that the audiences just have not recovered over here. I've been to two screenings of the film. And I accidentally booked for a Sunday morning to start with for the second screening. And for personal reasons to do with access to the car and everything else, that wasn't going to work. So I had to move it to Saturday. And in and amongst changing my mind on screenings on the Thursday for the Saturday, like screenings were becoming full except for like one crap seat front left you know um mm. so so yes this feels very pre-pandemic the cinema as a whole doesn't you still walk into the sort of lobby and everything and it feels an awful lot quieter but the screens showing bond are at the moment full um which also which says to be just how much popular you know a bond movies are like you know in like, the uk they they, they, they yeah yeah, certainly in the UK. Um, I mean, I can't speak to anyone else, but, you know, Bond's like known worldwide. It, you know, I mean, one of the frustrating things I have with um, the production of Bond is always the kind of like the hesitancy and the kind of the tendency to, to like trying to trying to overthink things. And it's just like, you, you know what? You, you could do like the bare minimal and you, you'd make money. Yeah. You know, well, they did for years. How, I mean, I'm not knocking those early films, is. but they did. They did do that for years. I mean, for, uh, they, boilerplate films. I mean, they, they look at like uh, at that time, Majesties as, as as a bit of a dud, but even though it it it, it did absolutely it did well comparatively, but yes. it just it just in comparison to Thunderball, uh, they look at License to Kill as as the but you know that still made money. It just it just underperformed in the states, yeah. um, and and things like that. Um, it's like it's like you know Bond will always make money, and so the the pop the, the problem I have was when it comes to something like um, Quantum, where they feel like it's been a misstep, and they feel like they all know we we have to pull something special out next time round. Sometimes I think it's you know I feel like they can do a bit of knee jerk reaction, and um, a way I think they sometimes they overthink it. The other thing, like, you know, the formula works, the character works, people will, will come and see the movie regardless. You know, you don't have to, like... I'm not saying, like, you know, make make the same movie every fucking time, but, you know, you can take risks, but, you know, understand that audiences will turn up, and, it, and I think it's always been consistent with that. You know, you know, Bond will always make money. Yes, but if you look if if you look at the grosses through the eighties, they were kind of flatlining despite relatively high inflation. They were kind of staying around mm. the same with the odd dip. So they still have to work at this franchise. But yeah, the idea that you've got to like toil for five years to produce something on the hope it'll do a billion dollars and it's like you know, make them slightly cheaper and make them every two to three years and they would still you would still produce the odd gem. But We've had that conversation before. Becca, tell us about the profile, uh, the pro- premiere. Did you get off with Daniel Craig and did um, uh, Anna Doramus's boobs fall out of that dress? Because I was amazed they didn't in the film. Sadly, yes, no, and no. Um, no, no, it's really good. Um, to, I just want to um, say thank you so much to JBR. Um, they are fantastic. Um, through my lovely friend Darren, finally got him, um, a ticket for me for the premiere. So I'm very lucky to have attended that. Um, you can actually, if you watch the live 
the live stream of the event, you could have actually spotted me. I was to the right of the stage uh, with my friend Philip um, when they were interviewing the director, Kari Joji Fukunaga. Um, and then we kind of got moved on by the security. <laughs> so we couldn't stay. Because you look like trouble. This is like, oh, go on. I think he told us like five times to move. So we kind of moved backwards, sideways, moved around a bit. But no, it was a fantastic experience. Um, it was very, you know, the COVID secure. They tried to make it as COVID secure as they could. Um, we all had to provide evidence of full vaccinations, um, negative tests. Um, and they provided test kits there for you. You know, if, if you needed to be tested, then you provide kits there for you. Um, it's very well organised. Um, lots of celebrities and tenants, all the cast and crew were there. Um, lots of uh, a few other Bond girls as well. I think um, Miriam Darbo was there. Um, Britt Eklund was there. Um, various various other Bond girls as well. I saw, um, I saw Michelle Yeoh was there. Celebrities as well. I saw, I saw Michelle Yeoh was there. Michelle Yeoh was there. Yeah, they Judy Dench was there. Um, or, you know, the writer, writer Phoebe Waller-Bridge was there. Um, I'd have expected her to be there. She's crew. Yeah, for this yeah, film, all, all the cast yeah, and crew plus yeah. other returning um, Bond actors and actresses. Um, Harry Kane, you know, other sort of celebrities as well. Um, David Williams, um, Anna Carr, randomly. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. Um, but no, it was a fantastic evening. Um, it rained, the heavens absolutely opened. Oh my gosh, we all got drenched. Um, well, we that ain't any good inside. with Daniel in velvet, is it? Uh, no, no, definitely. But I'll see in between. Oh, yeah, break. I must admit, I kind of thought that's a poor choice. Daniel, it, it was a trend. I, I think there must be a trend of that at the moment because um, there were quite a few other of the female celebrities um, wearing like a you know a velvet um, tux or like a, a different colour different colour jacket. Um, it looked like it was made out of some curtains. <laughs> it looked very nice, and there was also there were also unfortunately some jokes going around that he looked like John Pertwee in Doctor Who era. All he needed, was, or Austin Powers, for example, all he needed was a, a frilly shirt. I think there's currently a meme going around where Daniel Craig's speaking to Prince Charles. Um, and Austin's and, and, and yeah, somebody's inserted a picture of Austin Powers in between. It's a really it's good like, insert as well. It looks it's very like he's good, there. It's very cleverly done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. we also had Charles and Camilla and also Kate and Will's in attendance as well. Yeah. Um, so we went in and so please be upstanding for National Anthem. And, and I think they stayed throughout the film because usually the um, cast and crew, they sort of come on at the front. You know, they're introduced by the producers um, along with any royalty in attendance. Um, and I'm told that typically they sort of go in, you know, are introduced and say their piece and then kind of oh, shut out the other door. Um, but this didn't happen this time. I think they all stayed and hopefully they enjoyed the film. Um, and then afterwards we saw, because we, myself and my friend, we were sat um, up in the rousing circle, so really up in the gods. Um, we had a view of the royal box. Um, we could see Daniel chatting to, to um, Charles and Camilla after the event. Which so one that was really royals, lovely to see. Which ones of the royals boxes did you see? Well, this is it. <laughs> None of them. They were all protected. Thank you very much. That's right. um, where they're all sitting. So, um, they, they, you know, sort of, we're so high up that they all kind of look like ants, and it's just like, oh, don't look right. down. Yeah. If it, for me, I can't, my vertigo wasn't as bad as it was a couple of months ago, so I was just literally like, oh, I'm so high. So, did my best not to look down too much. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very lucky to have that experience, um, and I'm just ever so grateful to JBL family. Thank you, thank you so much for organising. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a fantastic event. Got to meet up with so many lovely, lovely fellow Bond fans after the last year and a half that we've had, um, and it was done, you know, in a really COVID-safe way as, as much as possible. Um, and to celebrate, celebrate going back into this, you know, the cinema, going back to theatre once again, um, and it was just fantastic, unforgettable week. Um, we managed to check out some other London-based locations whilst I was here. Um, they had a display in the Amiga shop in Burlington Arcade, so that was pretty cool. Um, randomly met 
a few other um, Bond podcasters and influencers, including David Zirsky, who does. Um, I know David. Oh, yeah, friends with David. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I I wouldn't say anything else other than he was very pleasant. Um, I very happy to speak. There's a story there. You went. I won't say anything else, but he was very pleasant. <laughs> no, he was lovely. He was very pleasant to speak to. I, I got the impression that he was a little bit like standoffish, but he was totally lovely, and very pre- very pleasant for sure. Um, yeah, just because obviously there was there were so many people, you couldn't really get around them all. So it was nice to kind of bump into him. Um, yeah, I mean, I've said, went... obviously we're all kind of well, certainly me and you are all in the same communities on Facebook. So I've seen possibly hundreds of photos by now. But genuinely, uh, I've got no jealousy about going. I didn't try to go. I live just a little bit too far away to comfortably go away and afford these things. And I had some other things coming up. So with no jealousy at all, it was a pleasure to watch all of these, uh, see all of these pictures. I I really wasn't expecting it. I tried to, you know, I tried to get tickets myself when, you know, when they went on sale. Because usually, um, especially certainly during the Daniel Craig era films as well, um, where they've been at the Royal Albert Hall, for example, it's always been done by like a ballot. Yeah, um, and you've and normally been able to get them. Well, you've been to a couple anyway before this one. No, well, this is yeah, this is my second. So I thought um, it was your third, but you went to Spectre, didn't you? No, so this is my second. But the others, I've gone up just to kind of be a spectator. So I kind of you know try and spot celebrities on the red carpet. And oh right, because you were there. This for is the Spectre. second time. You were there for Spectre. You had. To... Oh yeah, that was the first time that I went along. Right. And then the others, I've just been just as a right. spectator, so going, you know, trying to get try to get the signature. Okay. So, but um, but yeah, no, it was a really experience. I mean, and it was, I say, it was really difficult to to get tickets. I think, um, obviously those those who could, you know, were kind of buying up the maximum that you could have, like four or five at a time. Um, and it's just something like that, really. And it's it's one of those things that's not something you do lightly because it is an investment. It's something that you know it would typically be, um, out, you know, outside of my sphere, unfortunately. Um, but it's just through to you know really good friends who kind of thinking of me, kind of gave this you know fantastic experience. So I am eternally grateful. It's not something I we kind of make a habit to do um or that i could ordinarily do it's you know a really special occasion um but yeah i'm just really grateful to get to be able to do it um but i say if you're a bond fan and if you're able to do it then i can highly recommend it but i can appreciate how it is it is very much out of reach especially at these times for sure um but yeah i just want to say thank you so much to to jbr crew um this has been fantastic and all scrubbing up very nicely i'll hasten to add um but yeah it was all amazing. Uh, it was really interesting to hear um, and listen to cast and crew being in, um, being interviewed um, on on the, on the 007 stage that they created, which was very very cool. Um, they had a couple of the cars, so they had Bond's Land Rover, Range Rover that that, that he drives in the film. Yeah, um, Also, they had um, the I'm going to get this wrong, Silver Silver Ray, Silver Phantom, the Goldfinger's car, basically. Um, yeah. Had the Aston Martin, they had yeah. DB5. I know um, they had the DB5, yeah. Yeah, with the accoutrements and that sort of thing. You press a button and the um, headlights go down, little things come out. That was pretty cool and with all the um, gunshot detail uh, in the glass. Um, and they had a couple um, of other classic cars, some of the um, other Aston Martins, the Jaguars there. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, it's a really good experience. I think Daniel the live Craig, stream might just, still be might still on, be available. Do check it out if you can. Just on the subject of interviews, Daniel Craig has been absolutely night and day with what he was like after Spectre. He's been upbeat, engaged, proud. Oh gosh, of this yeah, completely film. changed, completely yeah. changed. Well, I think for him, obviously, Spectre was very. Obviously, this film was very grueling as well. He has injuries as well, we Spectre, all know. Spectre, he had a broken leg. I mean, I he, knew he had, had a any, really rough time. But what I didn't realise so is, he, I thought he had it operated on and they carried on, but he, uh, it was in a brace the whole time. He was walking yeah, around in agony. Yeah, really, really and he time. said on one show, I think it might have been Graham Norton. He said at the end, he said I was a bit down after Spectre, and he said because I was thinking maybe I am too old. And he said, oh, no, I, I think, to, rest to be honest, he was ready it. to hang up the hat, but then I think we can't, you know, he was coaxed back. Yeah. Um, and obviously being co-producer as well. 
Yeah, and the co-producer credit, so. Yeah. Which is very cool. But yeah, no, I've had a fab time. Um, but yeah, I was equally happy to see it, you know, on the big screen. But I, I must say, the Royal Albert Hall, it's a fantastic venue. It's, you know, it's, it's well-known and well-repeated throughout the world. But it's probably not best as a cinema venue. Um why? And unless, unless you're sat kind of right at the front, or unless you're kind of sat oh, like in the sweet spot, for example, then the sound, I think the sound was great. a bit shit, wasn't it? But just think the Albert Hall would have pretty bit. good acoustics, wouldn't you? Given it's a concert hall. Well, this is it. But I'd say it's concert hall, but it's not a cinema, for example. But I mean, you know, um, fair, you know, fair play to all the technicians. Um, you know, there's. Uh, you it's, did it's, a it's, shit it's, job, but we salute you. Of... <laughs> Sorry, say that again. You did a shit job, but we salute you. No, they did a fantastic job. There are some really well-skilled technicians, but it's just the fact yeah. that, you know, where we were sitting, um, obviously there, there is a kind of, for a sweet spot, if you go to see a film, like, for example, um, a few years ago at the Royal Albert Hall, there was a um, Casino Royale concert with a live score um, introduced by David Arnold. Um, and for that one, I, had to, I was sat kind of like in the stalls, like right at the, well, not right at the front, but like a few rows kind of from the front. So I was having to look up a little crane my neck around. Um, compared that to kind of previous things that I've been to, um, over the years um i found it a lot better and i remember being uh, you know, lucky enough going to the spectre premiere where i was again in a similar location right up in the gods um on the cheap seats um and being uh, you know, thinking right well i'm gonna have to go see this again in, in the cinema just because you know there are bits of dialogue that i might have missed or bits of detail that you know that that was obscured with the screen you know kind of being where it was and we being sat where it was um so i'm really glad that you know we saw it a couple of times so I was in um, the second viewing for me also was on IMAX screen, so I was able to pick up all, well the majority of detail um, and get bits of bits of dialogue as well that perhaps I missed the first time round. Uh, but yeah, as, as a concert venue and concert hall for music, fantastic. Um, but I, I guess for any kind of like cinema or film um, film events, I think there is a sweet spot you kind of have to be sat in. I'm not quite sure whether it is somewhere near the front um, or unless you've got really really good hearing, <laughs> um, then yeah, perhaps as a, as a film venue. Not so much, or it just depends on where you sit. But uh, you know, likewise, it's an incredible, incredible venue, um, and there's always a lot of like hard graph, a lot of technical skill, um, of organisation, um, a lot of uh, logistics that goes into creating an event like this. So, and especially under, you know, as we're coming out of a pandemic, well, not coming out, but you know, during a pandemic as well, I just applaud everybody, you know, who's Are involved you, in putting um, it all together. So, so you've you now seen it twice or three times? Unfortunately, I've seen it four times. <laughs> I knew it was. Th- I thought it was three actually. Four. Four. Yeah, I'm drawing a line. I'm drawing a line. I went to go see it on um, the weekend with my dad. So, um, so now I've drawn the line under it. No more. <laughs> Four. Okay. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's fine. I um, yeah, it's what I've had time to do. I might have done a third, but that would have been it because I self-imposed a limit of three on cinema screenings anyway. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I didn't feel I needed to. I felt that. The funny thing is, I I, I think I said just before we started to re- recording on the second viewing i picked up a few details it was largely the same sort of screening i didn't have a vastly different experience with it but i definitely picked up a few things some of them a bit negative some of them you know the logically that doesn't make sense reactions um but i actually failed to spot a couple of things the second time i saw the first time like i saw one review that complained we never learn how Rabbi Malik's character got his scarring. Yes, we do. It's dropped in dialogue. It's to do yeah. with the poisoning effect on his family. But I caught it the first time and not the second time because I was like, I don't remember hearing that this time. Um, 
we were trying to, some of us were also trying to figure out of, there's a, I think there's a line in the film where, oh, the, the world is arming faster than we can respond. And we were trying to figure out, is that in the actual film? And I think it took us a couple of goes to try and, was it? try and figure it out. Was it? I don't think it is. No, it's not, no. No. Well, and again, there are also, there are also quite a few, um, like, deliveries. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's going to be an A roll and a B roll and a C roll, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but there are quite a few lines that is probably either my hearing or not that perhaps were delivered in a different way than we hear in the You get in the that trailer, a lot because the, the first trailer is No, the first trailer needed before they've locked final cut. So yeah, sometimes they've not decided between different versions of scenes. No, exactly. But so I, I thought some were really good. You know, it kind of gives you a different twist on the line or different delivery, kind of nuance a different way. So. It, it wasn't, cool. it wasn't like Rogue One or something. What we saw in the trailer was in the film, by and large. There's just the odd oh, one. Oh, yeah, no, it was delivered a different way, just said in yeah. a different way, um, a slightly um, different line, perhaps, a slight variation, so, or a different character saying it, which yeah. I noticed a couple of times, which is very, very cool. Right. So, Let's kick off with some first thoughts, then. Um, so I've seen it twice. Um, my first screening... Christ, after an hour, I thought I was watching... <laughs> I, was, I thought I was watching Genius, you know what I mean? Um, and it did start to fade away for me. I'll go into more of the detail as I get to it but the headline is I really like this film so when you read my review which is going to be coming out before this episode comes out I might say, take, check it out. yeah I might be sound a bit more negative than I than I am because I think it's because the re- responses to this film have become incredibly polarized as life is now but particularly with this film that it's either an abomination against cinema or it's a masterpiece and I'm sorry I don't think it's really either I think it's about as good as a fifth entry for a bond where you've determined that you are going to tie all the films together is going to be, because this film has too much to do. I long for the simplicity of Casino Royale. This film is trying to do too much. It's trying to hang too much on a relationship, which is a lot better this time, a lot better, but it's still not, it's still not him and Vesper. It isn't, it's, it's not him and Tracy either. They've, they've done the best to, uh, redeem a rather undercooked relationship. There's a few little misfires this time. Like I, I don't like him in it this time. I think that there's a logical fallacy with the way he behaves. Um, his relationship with Bond is is not how M's relationship ever is with Bond. Um, I thought you know the sort of MI6 Incorporated wasn't quite as obnoxious this time. You know they they had things to do, but it didn't overwhelm the film. The where I'm very very conflicted is on two things. Um, one is I think the plot is very weak, and I think in a hundred and sixty three minute film to actually forget to come back to a plot point, and it is to do with what's on that USB. They actually forgot to come back to that, and I'll explain as we go through it. It's absolutely unforgivable. So we're left with a villain who's been cast as the who's hot right now looking good and, and looking the part and Garden of Death from the You Only Live Twice book. Lots of little things there for Bond fans, but he's had a plot he's had, he has a plot that is never properly explained to us. We don't know what he wants. Uh, at the end of the film he sort of wants Madeline to stick around but then he doesn't. He wants the child to stick around and then as soon as she bites him he lets her go and it's all like they haven't th- how many people does it take to miswrite a character? So that's very very weak. Um, I'm, I'm conflicted on some I mean, of the plot. I mean, what was his actual goal, though? We'll, like, we'll come on to it as we go through. He didn't have a goal. That's the point. He did in at the start uh, of the film. The, the, the targeting of, of Spectre at the start of the film is explained to us. But then Q is saying uh, there's thousands of names on here and they're, they're separated into categories. 
I need more time with this. And then they never return to it. And towards the end of the film, you get Bond and Nomi running this projection that just shows a lot of death, but it doesn't say what groups and why. Um, so it's it. I think that is an other unforgivable mistake by the film. Uh, having said that, it's got some wonderful emotional journey in it, which I really enjoyed. The other thing I'm very conflicted on, and I will make up my mind in time, I think, is the constant callbacks. Now, when the titles are evoking Dr. No and Honor Majesty's Secret Service, part of me thinks, this almost feels like a final Bond film. This almost feels like you're summarising your entire history, but you're about to give us a Bond film that's not actually like anything else we've ever seen before. So you're tipping your hat and reinventing at the same time, and I like that, but I'm sorry. When I think of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and I've said this in I've said this in discussing the film with you two, and I've said it in the written review. When I think of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, one of the first things I think of is that beautiful score. When I think of No Time to Die, one of the first things I think is of is Honor Majesty's Secret Service's wonderful score. And that something's not right about that. That is apex mining your own history and trying to elicit emotional reactions in us based on the heavy lifting of another film. That film was written for Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It is indelibly linked to that film, and I think appropriating it for this, my initial reaction was the one they wanted. I was quite moved by it. It's only when I came home and thought about it and thought, you're cheating bastards, because you, you are just appro you're, you're, you're taking a, sh a shortcut to an emotional reaction in us. We have all the time in the world. Well, apparently in the original uh, draft, he was going to say that at the end of Spectre. It wasn't quite as obnoxious here. It was a bit more of a callback. But I'm, I'm very, very conflicted on that. And, and what I thought was a damn near perfect film for about 90 minutes of its running time and certainly very good for about two hours. I hated the last 40 minutes and we'll talk about that as we go through it. It isn't because of the ultimate ending. It's to do with just that act of the film full stop. Um, now, having watched it a couple of times, I'm not ready to rank it, but I think, what would I have wanted at the outset? I'd have wanted, I, I would have wanted it to be better than Daniel Craig's average. I nearly said Craig David there, because you met, you met Lucci at the wedding, and he asked me yesterday if, if it was still Craig David as Bond in this one. He's never watched a Bond film, and he's not from this country. He got a bit confused. Um, it, it, I'll when, tell you what, he, he'd be proper bow, I tell you. Yeah, I'm proper bollocky, David. Right, um, so. Um, oh dear. <laughs> I wanted it to be better than Daniel be Craig's average because I think, because of broadly speaking, now, the caveats in this is Quantum of Solace is a better film than it was in 2008, but it's still so compromised by the writer strike and the terrible editing that. It, it, it's it's below his average standard, if you like, even though I quite like it. Spectre's a very boilerplate Bond film with a few sort of poor decisions in it. I don't think it's that terrible. But there's no doubt to me, Casino Royale and Skyfall are, are like the two better films in his run. And we can argue to the degree, because I know Chris isn't a Skyfall fan. I don't love it, but over the years I've come to like it a lot more. And I do think it's an above average Bond film. So I wanted this film to be above his average, to tip his tenure into the good rather than the wasted opportunity um it is that and i always want like the film to be a top half bond film and i think it's probably that um but yeah it, you're getting ahead of yourself if you think it's like you know his best entry or something like that or one of the greats of the series if it settles to, 
to, like that for you and i think particularly people who didn't really know on her majesty's secret service who will now associate that song with this film uh it must seem awfully moving and matter is so beautiful and Leia say do so much better in this there, there's there's so much to like about it but fundamentally it's not wearing enough of its own clothes to, to stand on its own as this great entry it doesn't stand alone you need to have watched previous bond entries to to get this film and it's overstuffed which is, which is which makes a great film a potentially great film just a, a good one becca what are your thoughts after seeing it four times now so you'll, you'll you'll be the the expert with us tonight yeah, I think four times is enough. I shall draw the line. Um, I think that's probably <laughs> too many times. Um, considering one was like stupid o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. Um, but yeah, I think I'll obviously wait now until the um, until the home release and then give it a break. Um, yeah, no, so my first screening, I think I, was, I, think I speak for a lot of our JBR party as well. We're all a bit shell-shocked um i think some of us loved it some of us hated it a, a lot of us were like all about that ending which i'm sure we'll come to later on down the line um and then you know a bunch of us went to the second viewing um when the temperature went up considerably wouldn't you say um yeah no first first impression i was just completely shocked i really did a bit of a standing ovation i was that nerd giving a film a standing ovation um it makes a lot of bold choices um the kind of main thing that the main sort of dislike what I'm going to do I just made a like made a list of likes and dislikes which I'm just going to reel off because I thought obviously I you know I'd rather not take over the take over the proceedings um as as usually happens um as, as is very common for this podcast as you'll know down the line um so I just rather kind of literally get all my thoughts down and do like a brief like and dislike um I'm sure we'll discuss these more as we go along um so my dislikes I'll start with I'll start first. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This uh, big spoiler alert coming. Everybody it's dies. The ultimate spoiler. Everybody dies. Well, not so, everybody, but it is ridiculous. Everybody is dead, Dave. It is ridiculous. I, I was only surprised <laughs> he wasn't accidentally castrated at some point through the this film because so the, the, this man expired. is now epically unlucky. Like, Bond is dead, essentially. I um, came out of it feeling sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. It's, it's not very nice. Yeah. Um, well, Bond is, is assumed dead. Um, obviously, at the end of the film, um, he says, oh, I'm not going to make it. And then obviously speaks to speaks to Madeline um, and, and Mathilde. Um, the little girl, the young actress, she was fantastic, by the way. Yeah, she Brilliant. Is. Yeah, she is. Um, but yeah, I just... It, it just she speaks excellent where... French. <laughs> she does. <laughs> we are. <laughs> she's lovely. Very, very cute. Um, yeah, well, child actors, you always think, oh, it might be a bit creepy, but she's lovely. She's very, very good. Um, but, yeah, she's one of those things where I kind of would have thought, would have preferred it perhaps to maybe end ambiguously. Um, other people that I've spoken to, other fans as well, have also said the same. Uh, maybe did he, didn't he make it off the island? But I do think this is perhaps... The camera the shouldn't have been on him as he was immolated. It should have been on, um, it should have been on um, either... Madeline or his vital signs. See, smart blood. There could be any excuse for that. Yeah, smart, smart blood, blood could exactly. be infected. You could be affected by anything. Um, well, he could be. Obviously, remembering his training from you and twice. It isn't. It isn't that I didn't want him to die as such. I think it's more the fact that 
some ambiguities useful and it means you you don't have to explain as much next time you don't have to introduce no that's the, i mean like, there's a scene at the end where you can see obviously on the cues on the ship and you've got two screens behind him yeah, you can uh, see one it. is one is for naomi and the other is for bond and it always just says zero 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 and i was kind of like i'm sure he is i'm sure he has survived it's like no he didn't um but it's you know it's the only way that we can wrap up the quote era mm. um and also um i'm just going to go through my list of likes and dislikes so yeah. i do apologize um next on the list um so naomi is seven, but as soon as Bond appears back on the scene, um, you know, even though she says, "Oh, it's just a number," then um, you know she just as about as they're about to launch their attack on the island, she's like, "I've permission to to have Bond reinstated as 007, which M accepts." But I kind of feel like obviously they they go onto the island, they kind of get so far, um, and then that's kind of all, all we see of Naomi really. She dispatches the, the scientist, and has that was a, a farcical re- decision. You wouldn't send a, a peak double O agent. Off no. to do the babysitting? And she has a no, she has a really she has a terrible line. I feel like maybe he needs a better line than oh what's the time? Time to die. That Obviously was the worst line after in the film. after he, he sort of racially abuses her. Um I, I you know, I was like, What the you don't say came, that came from nowhere as well. It's like what the uh, fuck? Yeah, so I can terrible see line. I can see why, you know, I've I think he was We can be comfortable Ferguson yeah, Wade um, wrote that. <laughs> it was a little bit like yeah. a little bit cringe worthy. Yeah. Um but I say David Denchik given you know fantastic um, fantastic performance. Um, I think scientists was probably getting on our nerves a little bit, as well as providing you know, a really good comic relief, which is fantastic. Uh, but I kind of feel like she needed a better line. Um, whereas she, she had some typical Bondish lines um, throughout um, throughout the film when she she sweeps in and picks up the scientist like oh, let me just cut in and then he goes where are you taking me? He says I'll take you back to Mother, darling. And it's a tip, you know you can hear Bond sort of saying those sort of glib pithy sort of lines which I think is really cool but I kind of feel like she needs a better line um, and yeah I kind of feel like once she gives up that 007 number um, we don't kind of see much else of her and I think that's a great shame because she's one of the highlights in this movie um, that's it's Felix, overly I engineering really hard. his death isn't it it's overly engineering his death they Just have to get her to make a decision Sorry. she would not make and he would not have her make no, it's quite difficult. Also, Death of Felix, that really, that really hit me hard. Um, it's one of my sort of favourite sporting characters in the series. Um, I appreciate, obviously, Felix has had many faces as Bond has had, pretty much, and he can be played by anybody. More, who's... but yeah. It, yeah, if, if, if more, if that. Mm. Um, but I, just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Um, yeah, as, as Dave mentioned, the, the plot is a little bit weak, and it's overly complicated a bit as well. But you have to kind of suspend your disbelief. It's a Bond film, it's going to be a bit silly, and... Um, I was just discussing it with some, friend, some friends on, a, on another Casino thread as well. Royale and Skyfall were not in the same way, Becca. This no, is this is it. in the Craig universe. It shouldn't be I know, this is it. But I think because it's I, the last one, they do have to add a bit of, you know, fantastical I, elements I think, as well. Um, I think being silly is fine. I mean, I think it's... I think the, the issue here is... I mean, it's fine. Sometimes we can say, oh, well, it's a Bond movie. Cut it's allowed to be silly. Or, you know, sometimes if you want to be more Casino Royale and be more gritty, more serious... Yeah, then, then you can't be... Too... Silly as, well, as long as it, it makes some sense. I mean, like, with silly things, yeah, you can go like, okay, well, that will never happen. But in the context of yeah. of the the film or, or like, kind of the, the silliness of, of, of the film, the tone, it's the, it's, it works. It's, the, it's consistent with it's the... It's like, something the... doesn't make sense. And I'm not having a go at you, Becca, but you are the most likely to do this. You go, oh, it's a Bond film. And it's like, no, it's shit <laughs> writing. Don't just give it a pass because it's Bond. And there's, there's only a couple I mean, of there's only a couple I mean, of soft characters. Um, you can hear the lasers. Really? That's Bond film. It's fine. I mean, it's like um, it, you know, like a guy being taken over the world. Yeah, okay, that's silly. That doesn't make sense. 
but it's that's fine in the that's Bond fine. movie. But do it yeah, in a Bond context, it's fine. Anywhere like, But if you haven't told us why he's doing it, well, exactly. There there are plot holes aplenty. I think that there is given a bit of free pass, and I mean, you know, this isn't a perfect film, but you know, there's a lot to like. And if you if you boil it down to like the bare bones, and you you look at it in terms of like, you know, does it tick the boxes of a you know what a Bond film should have? You you will find those ingredients there, like girls, guns, cars, gadgets, locations, action, danger, excitement. You will find those things there. Those determined Um, not to like it are denying it. I've actually read people say, "There's not even any vodka martinis in it." It's like, well, first there are, there's two. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. As much as in any other Bond film. But not only that. There was, uh, there, was, there was one, one critic, problem, I, I won't name it, but she was like, oh, it's, it's uneventful. And I was like, did you see the same film? Um, anyway, also, so other things I didn't like. Yeah. Um, it's the longest one. It's the yeah. longest film. Um, I feel it does drag, like the Blofeld scene, for example, um, Hannibal Lecter style, though it was, it did drag for me a little bit. And he takes 10 years to arrive. Hurry up. He needs Do you to know be, what I thought of doing that on. scene? I thought about Austin Powers trying to turn that little fucking car around yeah, in the hallway. That's how long is this fucking taking? You know what really got me, though? Because I, um, I watched Skyfall today. Yeah. And it got to the bit where, like, you know, you got Silver and that kind of Hannibal Lecter kind of yeah. gauge thing and thinking like hang on they're just for fucking repeating themselves yeah. again much. and again yeah like, that, it's like, like, like it's like oh oh we'll have oh this time we blowfeld and he's like oh you know what and y- you think of like of silver and how kind of poor he is wouldn't it be just be better if you just brought back blowfeld and just had like oh, it's christopher Waltz again and it's yeah. him with the garden of death yeah he's got out wouldn't that exactly. be better be yes so much better. i mean absolutely like, and I, because they, you're trying they, to build a new also... character. You're trying to build a new character in a film that's overstuffed and too long it's as it is. It's already too busy, exactly. Yes. Should have been Blofeld, definitely. Definitely. Cause... But no, I would agree with you also that the uh, Majesty's score is overused a little bit. I do, I do love it. I associate it obviously heavily with it's that my film. Favorite, it's one of my favourite things in the world, Becca. So this this is designed to move me, and it did. It's only when I thought afterwards, I thought they, I felt a bit of a cheap date, do you know what I mean? I felt like I'd been emotionally manipulative and left. I felt like I'd been emotionally manipulated and left with my trousers around my ankles. Mm. Well, that's that's the saying something definitely. But yeah. otherwise, I felt Zimmer's score was was lush um, and delightful, um, and it, it fitted the film really, really well. Um, but I do kind of feel aspects of the score is overused. Um, but for me, all time in the world is between Bond and Tracy. Um, yeah. I do get obviously. Bond is only ever loved three women, so Tracy, Vesper, and Madeline. Um, but I, ow, I do get that. But for me, that song just is really associated between Bond and Tracy. Um, but I, I still love it. I think it's, it's beautiful I think it's very in the film. It, it works, but as a decision, it's obnoxious. They should not no, have done that. Uh, so what else have I got on this list? Yeah. Obviture is quite annoying. I wouldn't have minded. The only place I would have been okay with it if they played it over the end credits, and this was definitively the final Bond film. I'd have gone fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, definitely. But no, because they try and weave it in, but it's fine. Beautiful um, song though. I can't. I can't the deny ending it. as well is a little bit. It, for me, it's a bit like Tomorrow Never Dies, but shoot 'em up Bond, a little bit kind of like Call of Duty video game style. Too but much. It's um, fine. I think it's really cool to what see. What we sort of say? Too many machine guns. Far too many machine guns. Yeah, a little bit. But it's yeah. you know, but it's, it's Bond being stealthy as well. Um, and I like his line. Oh, I just had to show somebody your watch. I think it blew, blew his mind, which I think is fabulous. Um, but somebody. A friend just commented on a thread. Um, how come his watch didn't, you know, obviously the EMP? How come it didn't affect his earpiece? <laughs> Which I think is quite funny. Um, so yeah, things because I like. Plot. 
because plot exactly because reasons so yeah things i liked um please note silver gun barrel for the 25th film and no blood which implies that perhaps bond doesn't survive um i love the stunts um a lovely pre-title scene also which is the longest i think it's like half an hour about 25 minutes something like that i didn't do it with like a stopwatch or anything i looked as we started and i looked as we went into the song and it was roughly 23 minutes later Uh, yeah i thought it was going to be sort of 20 25 minutes in there somewhere so yeah it is officially the longest pre-title sequence in the series and it's a belter it's really good it's amazing it's it's one of the best actually it's certainly my favorites in the craig era um but yeah the stunts right at the start of the film fantastic um it's brilliant a lot of especially as Jun, as we've gone through these films the sort of main complaint really has been that we see the db5 too much yeah actually when you boil down to on screen appearances it doesn't pop up that often to be honest um to it's be the fair regularity, it's great, to see, the it. it's great to see it this time around um gadget lady and he's another it you know, fits in this i feel film. like we didn't get to see it um inspector well, it, it, it fits in a... this film because he's retired and, exactly. and not only that I've never thought it was that stunningly attractive a car. I've preferred some of the other Aston Martins, but there's something I about... I think because it's quite clunky compared it's, to some no, of no, the it's, it, it's in Matara, which is gorgeous. <laughs> and the way it's lit in beautiful sunshine with what they're wearing, it's mm. never looked better. It, it has looks never really looked good. better. The yeah, cinematography in this film is, fa- is fabulous. If nothing else, it looks beautiful. Um, lighting is fa- cinematography is fabulous. Linus Sangren is probably best known for two things. La La Land... Mm. Uh, but also he did First Man for Damien Chazelle, which was a, a, a absolutely like, amazing cinematography. It's really good. I'll say, yeah, some of those really sort of like the purple tones or the rich golden tones, for example, definitely evoke La La Land for sure. Yeah. Um, which I might have won Oscars for some cinematography, but I can't I will always remember, take this. I will always take this over a, a Skyfall because I understand why people love the look of Skyfall, but it's always just had a grading to it. I've it's never just, liked yeah, it. Yeah, especially with Spectre as well. I mean, it, it looks yeah, beautiful, but it's a bit sepia tint. What's really weird in Skyfall is I watch... All these amazingly beautiful um, establishing shots, which probably add up to about 20 to 30 seconds in the film. And then with the exception of, of two or three scenes like Macau, I find it really washed out. Yeah, it's a little washed out, really, isn't it? Yeah. You have to kind of turn the contrast up a little bit. Yeah. Um, other things I liked included unexpected Hugh Dennis cameo. <laughs> I think he's, he's really brilliant. Like all the panel shows. Milky, um, milky. And, um, outnumbered is brilliant as well. And I was like, it was like going to see, was it Rogue, was it Rogue One with... Um, Oh God, Eddie from Bottom in it. <laughs> but even though he wasn't in Rogue One, he was in another film. Um, Aid Edmondson, and I was like, oh, okay. My so. favourite will always be Cat showing up in Play Two. <laughs> that <laughs> well, was weird. Are, exactly. <laughs> Surprising cameo that you didn't expect. Well, it wasn't actually cameo, it was an actual role. He was like walking alongside Play for most of the film. Oh, well, there yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's really great. I wonder if like there might be like a an edit for a different territory where an equally well-known <clears throat> comedian or actor appears. I think that'd be quite good fun. Because sometimes in different films, I think, um, like, I think it's maybe Shrek or Shrek 2, one of the Shrek yeah, movies. You had Larry um, King in one version. Yeah, Larry King in the American Ross release and then Jonathan Ross in the English release. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think no, I mean, this cool. is this is set in London, so you would expect it to be like two of the three of them are, are, are British, and you would kind of expect exactly. That I, I just think um, it's an unexpected cameo, and we all went, yeah. oh, and my dad's a big fan as well. We saw it yesterday. I was like, so, oh, he done it. Other like, factors then? Anything else, Becca, on the list? Yeah, I got a few more things going. Like as I say, I, I don't want to take it over as I tend to do with various podcasts. No, so this you, is this you, me go, taking go it over ahead, now. Becca. You, no, no, you more welcome. This you is, this is me taking it over. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it's it's your show as well as ours. You take over. This is, this, is my, this is my list, but I'm nearly at the end, so it's okay. Yeah, um, yeah Kick-Ass Ladies, this is like one of the first or very few Bond films where, obviously, apart from Madeline and 
Matilda, where Bond doesn't have to save the ladies, or you know they can hold their own. Paloma, she's um, Cuban actress Anna de Armas, whose name I can't pronounce. Um, she's a bit quirky. She's maybe new to the role. Uh, very enthusiastic. Uh, likes to follow Bond's lead, but she can kick ass and defend herself when it counts. She's you know she can easily handle a gun. She's you know she can kick your butt in heels and a very relieving dress, very revealing dress. Um, and I kind of thought, oh, did she wear the same one to the premiere? But no, it's slightly different. Um, and again, Nomi as well. Um, she's been a double A for two years. Um, she's confident. She's sassy, a little bit on the bearing on the side of arrogance. Um, everything Bond is basically is, is 007. You know, very very sure of himself. Uh, Nomi is the same, very sure of herself. Um, tells Bond, you know, no no compunctions about going to her death. Um, about telling him telling him what's exactly on her mind. Um, and that's it. You don't get a say in the matter. I will put a bullet in your knee, the one that works. You know, so you'll be sucks to you. Um, and, she, you know, she's one of one of few Bond's equals that we see in the series. Um, it's really fabulous to finally get that. And she wears we do have two some... belts. I don't know why. She does. She, it's a fashion, fashion trend, you know. Um, and the worst sunglasses and, you know, I've ever Bond... seen. They look like they've been cut out of black cardboard. Her sunglasses are awful. But apart from that, I'm not good. too sure about her sunnies, but I think obviously the fashion in this film as well. Um, Sitter and um, Anna Very 80s, isn't it? Sitarat Lalab, fashion designer. Well, she's also um, a costume designer. She's also like a, a set and production designer as well. Really, really gorgeous costumes uh, for this film. Um, everything kind of looks amazing. Um, I think all Bond suits by, by Tom Ford. Again, a lot of costumes by Tom Ford. Um, just everything kind of looks really beautiful and sumptuous in this film. Um, even, you know, Daniel Craig's outfit when he's retired in, on Jamaica, you know, just really kind of really, really old manky shirt, shorts, all the rest of it. He still looks and kind of feels lived in and worn in. Um, very comfortable. Um, yeah, I love the fact that at last we do get some kick-ass ladies in this film. Obviously, during the during the um, the series, we've had really strong women, sort of like Holly Goodhead, um, Jinx, dare I say, um, you know, other other ladies who have kind of been like agents as well, um, or try to stand alongside, or you know, Waylon, for example, Michelle Yeoh, but they still have to be rescued by Bond at the end. Um, and and you know, also Bond doesn't get off with Nomi or doesn't get off with um, with Paloma, despite thinking oh maybe that's what's going to happen nope so it's very refreshing um and i was like yes at long last um yeah beautiful scenery Matera is gorgeous to make it and cuba are both really vibrant and lush um did they go also... to cuba though because wasn't that all shot on a soundstage cuba. it was on pinewood and yeah, so, yeah. but it's, you just pretend it's, it's cuba bloody convincing though pretend it's cuba it's really but convincing. Actually it's... they've done something actually, to the backdrop that it, it does look like it's outside in cuba this is it. And did you notice that the locations aren't signposted? Like there isn't a sign that comes up and says Matera or Jamaica or Cuba. They just you go to those locations. Like we like for example <clears throat> in Quantum of Solace, where like Sienna appears in a really curly font. Mm. Um, and you know the locations are generally signposted by by writing at the bottom of the screen. That doesn't happen here, which is quite or refreshing. Or London. Da, da, yeah, da, da, da. Da, yeah. <laughs> or it rains. <laughs> rains really miserably. Um, beautiful scenery else. Um, so yeah, the reviews generally for this film have been mixed, but as I said earlier, we, if you boil it down to its bare bones, we still get these elements, you know, girls, gadgets, guns, cars, action, location, excitement, humour, and a good old hollowed out villain's lair, which we haven't seen for many, many years. Um, something else, a couple of other things I liked as well. Um, I will shut up in a minute. <laughs> uh, so the Scooby Gang of M, Q, Money Penny all have input. They've all got something to say. Um, Davey mentioned the relationship between Bond and M. It's quite contentious this time round. I did struggle with it a little bit. I didn't bit. like it at all. Um, but Ray finds this fantastic. Um, and the line where they're at, um, is it near Hammersmith Bridge, I think? 
Um, I liked him in that scene, but I think only that scene. That literally, all all four screenings I saw, that got the biggest laugh. That that line got the biggest laugh, so I think that's fantastic. Um, So it's good that they all kind of, you know, even Money Penny as well, she stands up for, you know, for what's right and, and, and pushes them. You know when when she's like, hold on, there's something quite amiss here. Um, it was nice to see Q's flat. Um, beautiful tasting cats. I wonder if he's got an allergy because he's got the Sphinx cats. Um, really nice pizza oven as well. Um, I'm trying to figure out what music he listens to when he's when he's cooking his meal for his hot date. Um, so it's nice to kind of see a little bit of backstory as well. Um, I, I mentioned the score was really lush and complements each scene very well. Um, the last thing, there's lots of other things that I liked as well, but the last thing on my list was the use of original Fleming material. Obviously, Bond's family comes from the man with the golden gun. Um, and as we mentioned as well, Garden of Death, um, and also the Jack London quote, which uses as, um, I don't know, the little gathering after Bond dies. Yeah, the, the, I will not um, uh, waste my life by trying to prolong it. That's, yeah, that, that's what she's referring to. Is, uh, from Jack London, from yeah. You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there are also visual reference to past films, for example, like there are various um, touches to Sapin's Lair, for example, which evoke Ken Adam. Um, obviously very Canadian, like, yeah. Very Canadian, definitely. Um, and obviously you've got things like, um, oh, the Vantage, I couldn't think which one it was, um, and various other nods as well. And you Dalton's can also see. Car. Sorry, Dalton's Talk, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and also, um, when up, you can see skis from Free Eyes Only, you yeah. can see the, I can't think what it's called, the little bulldog um, from Skyfall, I think Jack, I want to call him, but that yeah. might not be his name. Um, and you can see various other trinkets. But again, it's, it's not, it's not like really obvious it's like it was dying in the day. You can throat. see lots of gadgets and trinkets from yeah. previous films as well, which is very, very it's cool. It's not being forced down um, your throat. No, it's, it's done in a very kind Most of... Most you know, of them, if, some are. You, you, can, you can spot them. Um, but it wasn't until like, IMAX, for example, that I noticed, oh, there's a skis or oh, there's that or oh, there's you know various other objects. But it's not like in, you know, it's not really obvious like it was in Dino the Day, for example, <laughs> where he goes round and... Well, they don't yeah, just dump just it in the middle of a room. Yeah. Out. No. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's pretty much my likes and dislikes, really. Um, so, yeah, sorry about talking the ear off for half an hour. Um, but I thought I'd give Dave a break and, um, and I'd ramble on for a little bit. So, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Chris, your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, so, um, so I'm a, a bit of a disadvantage to a degree because I've only seen it the once and that was like... Yeah. I you know, almost felt like sort of tired watching it as well, um, just just because you know I've, I've been working or and all that stuff. So, um, but I did walk out of the film kind of with like a whirlwind of emotions and thoughts. Um, so when I gave my my thoughts on our on our messaging thing, I was just a Hmm, which left a lot of speculation for, for you guys. Like, oh, we're like, oh my god, he hates it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, where do I start? Really, that, that, that's the thing. I feel so much. So there's so much really kind of. Thought, do I like it? Do I not like it? I you see it four really, times. Yeah, I, the, well, you need to see it again all, for sure. In all honesty, I think you know, going into it, I it kind of, I, I think I said I don't. I can't remember if it was on the podcast, but last week we were having a, a talk about what our expectations of it, and I, I sort of said what my recent um, uh, sort of thoughts on Craig's era have been. And I've come to a realization that um, it's been very much about um, deconstruction. Uh, that's been quite a common thing in most franchises and most comic franchises. Uh, the Craig era is about deconstruction. It, it's all about deconstructing the, the myths and the, the tropes of Bond, you know, what Bond is, you know, you think back to Casino Royale even, um, which is like re- rebooting the franchise 
Um, you know, it's like, you know, drive our quality you need chicken or stir? Do I look like I give a damn? You know, those type of things. Yeah. Um, and it's all just sort of progressed with them. And, you know, I have my things with Skyfall. You know, they all, they all have, um, you know, Spectre as a bit of a unimaginative blot, really. Um, but they all kind of, like, try to put a new spin on it. You know, take take what, what's been done and then change it up in a sort of, sort of way or, you know, a new, new queue, a new money penny, new this, you know, like all these sort of things, everything's all interlinked, all personal and all this sort of thing. Um, so now we come to this and I kind of, in a way, I kind of really, it, it felt like very, it felt very like a breath of fresh air almost. It felt like very much like a, like a new life's been kicked into it because there's been, could, because this is Craig's last one, it was like, let's just fucking go for it. Um, there was, there was an element of, it, it, it seemed to like just sort of throw like everything they've had at the wall and, and try to sort of make it stick. And it, and it kind of does. It kind of like, you know, it feels off, off piece. But the problem is, will everyone like that? Um, I think I'm kind of inclined to agree with most of what, um, uh, Dave wrote in his review. Uh, you've written a review, haven't you? Is that, Sorry, yeah, I said the, the written review goes up the day after recording, but you will have heard this, but I sent it to these two so they knew what I thought. Um, I literally just copied it into Messenger in like two blocks so they could read it. So yeah, my mm. review. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, just a point of reference. And I kind of largely agree with what Dave broadly thinks is kind of where I'm at. I'm a bit like, I, I think I enjoyed it. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it again. Um, but so there's a few things. Where do I start? There's so many different things. So the stuff with like you know the oh no, Majesties like we have all the time in the world. Um, now as you said before, uh, I remember back in us when we did our Spectre review, uh, they were going to say that line at the end of Spectre, and Dave rightly says they've not earned that. So when when we get to the end and we have all the time in the world blaring You've out. You've got to be a bit special me. to cannibalise my favourite Bond film. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm like thinking, it, I'm, I'm with Dave where that's such a lovely thing. I was like, it, it, a, it was nice to have we have all the time in the world rather than the typical like do 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 do, which we've seen every fucking time now for the past, um, well, for the entire Craig's run and probably for you know. Um, the last two uh, Boston films as well. It's nice to have something different. Yeah. Also, it's such a lovely emotive song as well, especially as we're seeing literally Bond die. But we'll, I'll get to that in a bit. Um, so there's that. But on the one hand, I was like, should you be doing that? Should you really be doing We're All the Time in the World, Majesty? I mean, it just makes me want to listen to that song all the time now. Um, granted, but I was like, I'm not sure. You know, in the back of my head, I just heard Dave's voice saying, "You haven't earned that." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I know that's like this. This film's earned it more than Spectre ever did. But in the same way, it's like I'm not quite sure you should go there. Um, I think the score itself kind of just kind of evokes Majesties way too much. Um, it's too much on the nose. Um, other than that, it just feels generic. And I can, 
and I think this problem with my with my actual thoughts because my thoughts are very much because I've been watching the, you know the Luke's film or like or most of the the Bond films and I've kind of like almost like fallen in love with them all over again and yeah. I've I watched, kind of I've watched missed, them all in the last few weeks yeah and I've I miss I miss like some of the things we used to have, like it's silly things I miss like sort of the casual throwbacks to Tracy I miss. I, I miss actually having like a new actual theme, you know. We like we have Majesty's Majesty's had its own theme and it's great. Even fucking A View to a Kill, which, albeit maybe not everyone's favourite, the score you know. is great though, and it's got that theme, yeah. that action theme in it, which is great. And I, and I and I miss those sort of things, you know. Living Daylights have has its own themes. It's like chuck full of them, and they're all great. I can go, oh, I can when I hear it, I can I can kind of picture myself where where point in the movie that is, and it's like. It's very much, it yeah. It's very stand up. It also feels very Bond as well, but it's not just repeating itself. And I miss that. The scores these days just seem to be like very moody, generic, and then kicks in with writing with the Bond theme, you know, like every so often. It's like, you know, I like we listen to like Living like License to Kill, and you know, the the, the music in that like plays you, know, you have to hear the bomb theme like sort of come in and out here and there but it's all still in case with the score itself and it feels very different and i'll miss that and yeah, so I mean, I, the final I, act of this film it could have been straight out of the dark night the score but yeah it, but occasionally there were little riffs on bond that would remind you it was a bond film but it had that sort of percussive feel that was exactly what he did in the dark night yeah so that's the thing. So I think my when it comes to my review, and I've not really sort of touched on much. Granted, so apologies. Um, is a lot of whirlwind of thoughts and emotions, really. Um, I think the film itself, I will say, is is very well done, very well made. I think the action's great. Um, one of the, I think, I, I think the way some of the way and some of the stuff in which it's which done is is just really superb the title sequence the is probably the best one i've seen i might you know go after i've seen it once well i, I worried it, i worried thing. it would have no forward momentum because of the song but that sort of really elegant end of an era feel and to it, it suited the song yeah, I didn't and mention that theme. I love the theme and yeah, the title sequence. I totally agree with you, Chris. I'm in, I'm in your corner for sure. I totally agree, hundred percent. Sorry, I just thought I yeah, cut I in. Apologies. Yeah, no, no. Bit too on the nose I mean, with the clock and the uh, egg timer from Majesties, but overall it was. And, and but you, yeah, you've got the, the you've got the Britannia, and, and the you've got the Trident as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah the Britannia stuff. Um, yeah, but, but also the clock and, and the cogs as well. I'm fine with that because it's a because it makes sense within the film. You know, it's like you know. I, I mean, some, some, some I, part of it, I kind of thought, oh, is this kind of like a little bit of a, a nod to um, Goldeneye as well? Because you know, you got like the the like destruction of the of like the old like uh, USSR like sort of symbolism oh, I didn't think and of that. Oh. and you, but and it's kind kind of you seen like I'm not yeah, not, not quite correct like the, saying the, the same Dunkirk thing, company, so, oh. but Good it's point. kind of like it might be. Um, Dan Kleiman's way of like sort of touching on well now I'm doing like the, the British one and there's sort of sort of there's ashes of the old Britain uh, you know deconstructing that but I just thought it looked absolutely fantastic like the way it transitioned into it 
Um, oh, I love you the transition. Of, like, you got like all doctored up, and it went transitioned out as well. It just like straight into like and breaking into that um, building in London. Yeah, um, that was really cool, wasn't it? That was very well done. That, Did you spot the? It was all. It was all lovely. Yes, we just. Yeah. I was. I was instantly thinking, oh, Doctor No, and then it went to something else. But um, yeah, uh, that I generally really loved. Um, yeah, good, Chris. Fantastic. The 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 gun barrel. Hmm. Um, you know, back in my head, I thought partridge. You know, like where's the blood trickles down? I'm yeah. sorry, maybe I'm just too much a trishless, but. The the Craig films have been fucking around the gun barrel way too much for my liking. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like, filmed a different one every single time. No, what? No, uh, I can't think of another actor who's filmed five of them. <laughs> I know, but it's. I mean, I, again, it's deconstruction, but like, uh, I missed the I missed the proper momentum of a, a good old gun barrel. You know, um, just 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 give me. I mean, straight up, don't like trying to make it all fancy or or like new. And it's like, no, give me a good old, you know, Doc goes across the screen, bomb walks across, sharp blood trickles down, you hear the bomb theme, the Doc moves around randomly and then fix on one place, you get open scene. Give me that. That's what I want from a bomb movie. Um, yeah, so. They made it more uh, silver, and I think it's because it's the 25th. Yeah, yeah, I think also first it's also the given the fact that this is a uh, Craig's last one and it's quite uh, a momental, it's yeah. quite a monumental just one. Having uh, out. This. Yeah, which we've um, got since his Majesty's where kind of he got washed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah. So yeah, I've, uh, I I quite you know I quite like you know um, I quite like Spectre. I was actually quite enjoyed Spectre coming back this time. I was quite, I was quite pleasantly surprised that they they were as big as um, a big element of the film than they actually were. I just thought like you know it was like could have been barely even mentioned. It was just like it's going to be Rami Malek uh, as a villain, and they just like, one scene with Blofeld. But I was actually quite surprised as how significant presence actually Blofeld had, even though he's in. Black he's Bond not in it much, but he hangs over the film, doesn't he, for a long period? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the stuff when like Spectre when they, when Bond's fighting off Spectre, it felt kind of fun. It's like oh this ah oh, you think of what could have been you know you think like you know when when Bond's there standing over like the grave of Vesper and he picks up the card and it's like oh my god this feels like so much like fun um, so so much surprise as well. Uh, but that's another thing like Bond stands over uh, Vesper's grave and uh, I I kind of felt no connection to Casino Royale at all. Um, and that's probably one of my criticisms of it is I just I think I don't see I think we've gone way past the not the, the, the well for me anyway I might be alone in this but I just feel like there's no connection to where Bond started in Casino Royale to where we are now I think we've kind of we kind of sort trans- of we transitioned around the time of Skyfall really the first two films yeah. the one thing and it just feels yeah. It, I just feel like no, we've we've moved on from that, and you're still trying to hang on to that. That's a, a, it. It can only damage your film because you either feel no connection, so you think why is it here, or it reminds you of a very special chemistry those two had. At least I felt that way, um, and it's it's a little yeah. bit harsh on Leia Seydoux, really. 
Um, and for some reason, they've taken... I mean, obviously, the character doesn't always need to be the same age as the actor, but we know Eva Green was born in 1980. So why Vesper is 1983, which would make her 23 at the time of her death, which is very young for this life-defining thing that's being remembered by a man of around 50. Mm. Um, but there you go. Yeah, I... I yeah, I just... Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, just, I think that's what might have said more about my, my thoughts. I think for other people, it might feel differently. And I understand why in their heads, because they've always referred back to, like, so, you know, even for Spectre, they always refer yeah, back she's to Yeah, she's this, this Bond's Tracy. Although they try to make yeah. Leia that in this film. But you know what I mean, in terms of someone he lost. Yeah. Um. So, the, so... There's things like that. I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of like going back and forth on, on a few things. So I'm just like working with because this is how like my thoughts are just all over the place. But generally speaking, um, I, I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, but it kind of made me feel a little bit like worried for the, for the, for the series as a whole. Because where do we go from here? Um, and the, the, the pat answer you get is the word reboot, but it's not quite as simple as that. Bond. Even though there wasn't a lot of continuity, there was still the spectre of, uh, no pun intended, of Tracy hanging over her, in, him in the original continuity. And that lent him some pathos. With this, you've got it as Vesper, but you've killed off so many of his side characters now that you'd almost reboot again. But then how far do you have to go rebuilding all that stuff? And if he reboots every time, are we going to be minus the regeneration, like every incarnation of Doctor Who, that they sort of die, sort of, in their final episode? And I don't want that. This is fine as a one-off experiment. But again, you can't go back to, like, the end of Piers Brosnan's run and it was all a dream yeah. and we're back in that continuity, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, it's like... Because in the back of my head, I'm, I'm thinking, we're not going to see another Bond film for a good while. It's, it's, it ain't going to fucking happen. Well, they, even though it's they locked be... this two years ago, they, they're claiming they haven't even thought about the next guy. Yeah, and That's even I, all over. Just, I just don't see anything in any time for I think it's going to be another 10 years before we see anything. I mean, my my head thinks it probably should be like reboot and as like a as an online streaming series. I, I have it be that be the way forward. So many times not but, even his death this felt like the final bond film. Just because it yeah. was the, it was the number of callbacks but it wasn't just the number of callbacks because we've been getting those for years now. But it was the way they were calling back. It was almost like it was saying an affectionate goodbye to itself. Yeah, and I was thinking like, oh, yeah. again, this is like almost like you, you took a really big chance here. Mm. Now I know at the top of the show I said Bond always makes money, but if this is like a massive send off, and it is basically a massive send off for Daniel Craig, mm. in the hearts and minds of the audience at large, are people now just going to assume, all right, well, this is the last Bond ever? And now you just inadvertently just kill the fucking franchise. Dead. I don't know. I think that I think I, I kind of just think that's a completely understandable worry. But I think it's just one we've got to leave for another day now because we're not going to know for a very long time. And we may no, not even no, know don't. at the release of Bond 26. It may actually take till you get to sort of a Bond 28 that you realise what it did or didn't do to the series, this film. 
not just in terms of box office but fan expectation each time and whether we've buy into another incarnation or it becomes not mentioned about and a bit more episodic we may not know that for another two or three films oh yeah so i know i I think that's like it's just me wondering about what's going to happen from now on in because i look back to when i watched um skyfall and while I really enjoyed watching Skyfall at the time as well, I, I watched it. I enjoyed watching it today. Even yeah. nothing wrong with Skyfall, really. It's just, no, it's just I just find it. I, I just find it really superfluous. It, I, yeah. The best thing about Skyfall is the very end where they set everything else up. And I was like, right, okay, I'm really excited about a new film now. Yeah. And then it's five years. Three <laughs> Do you know years what I mean? later, and then like, six years later, and it's like, yeah. oh, for God's sake, can you just Give me, you know, like it, it. it kind of juiced me up. Like, yeah. oh my god, we're gonna get like proper Bond back, almost. Um, Skyfall's with, another with film Craig. that's actually aging fairly well, even though it wears its sort of Dark Knight influences and things like that, which dates it. Um, it is aging quite well, you know. When I watch it now, yeah. I, I stopped really looking for its faults a long time ago and just enjoyed it for what it is—a a really well-made Bond film. There's, there's no doubt about that. I, I don't rank it alongside a Casino Royale, but uh, it's not rare to do so. To be fair. So, you know, a lot of people put Skyfall at the top of their their Craig rankings. I wouldn't say it's a majority. I think a majority prefer the first opening. But it's a bloody significant minority. Um, yeah. But the one thing I'll say is as tough as Casino Royale was and as crunching as Quantum of Solace was, the last three films have actually felt even less fun. I came out of this film feeling sorry for him. And it's like, is that really what we want at the end of a Bond film? Mm-hmm. Because he's epically yeah. unlucky here, ridiculously so. It's almost comedic. I mean, well, he's well, dead. Well, he's well, dead. Will... And and you've, you've now got a virus. So you can't even go near them if you survive. And it's like, oh come on. You know, he can't well, even, like, he it, can't it, even it, go it to Vesper's grave no without like being people, blown up. People are begging him, like, no, don't don't do this. Get out. And he's like, well, why? Like. I've got a virus that before you kill everyone. Why? Why? why well, no, even if it is only targeted at. Uh, the one thing about the film that one of the films that really doesn't make sense is this idea of they said well you can just stay away from the target and it's like well no because everyone you touch becomes a permanent carrier so eventually it will be you'll be spreading it amongst all of the people you ever meet and all of the people they ever meet and eventually it Mm. will kill madeline somehow even if she went on lived on a different continent one day and matilda and matilda yeah so, so yeah, yeah, so um, it, it, it just make makes sense. that no-brainer. Um, uh, but I never thought I'd see that. I never. Uh, it it's kind of, always kind of annoys me a little bit because I remember back in like on rooms on the internet where you know the new Brosnan film and it was like, oh, Bond might die in this one. He, I, I hear that. I hear that all the fucking time. And I was like, no, that's a shit idea. Yeah. Don't ever fucking do that. <laughs> that's never gonna happen. Um. And, well, now they finally did it, it's like, well, I never thought I'd see it where Bond dies with a kid's toy stuffed down his pants. Um. <laughs> yeah, which I'm, which I'm conflicted on as well, but we'll come to that. Um, um, but I, I find that the irony, like, they, 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 they've done it, but they've... I mean, let me make it clear. I wish they had not done this. I do think it damages the film, but it isn't, oh, he can't die, he's my hero. It's nothing to do with that. I just think a little bit of ambiguity would have lent, let, left people going out a little bit more ha- hopeful and happy and then when you do do it next time and it's a clean reboot and it turns out yeah that version of bond has, has gone uh, it doesn't really matter um 
is that a wimp's way out? No, because we saw, we saw it a couple of times in Fleming's books where it was like ambiguous whether he'd killed Bond or not. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing because I, I, what I will say is if if there ever was a time to do it, I think I think ending it with Craig. Yeah, it would have just seemed cruel best, best with way. Roger at the end, wouldn't it? <laughs> if Roger had died yeah, in his it, last film, it would just look. Yeah, cruel. I think I, I think if there ever was a Bond and ever was a time. I think yeah, now's this is the time. If, you, if you're ever going to do it, now yeah. it's here and now. Um, Dalton, uh, Dalton and then... may have got to that point if he'd done four or five, but they're the only mm. two. Yeah, I think it depends on. I mean, how if Licence to, to Kill had been like his fifth film, and he died trying to get revenge for, you know, his friends or whatever, maybe. But yeah. It's it's not something I ever want to see. It's not something I particularly liked. I did see, mm. but I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'll judge what we've got here. The film logically does lead to this death. I mean, the moment the child's revealed, he's dead. You know, you can't have Bond going around in the future in this same universe with a child somewhere. Well, it's like as Blofeld said, you know, when her secret gets out, she'll be the death of you. So it'll basically mean that Bond isn't, you know, he's a, he's a father, he's a husband, and he's no longer a lone wolf acting for Queen and Country. So... And that took me quite a long time to figure out. <laughs> We've listed on the update, people. That's why I've seen it four times. Chris, anything else you want to put into your first thoughts? Um, yeah, so um, what else is there to say, really? Uh, the, the plot doesn't make that much sense. We talked about Saffin a bit. Um, uh, it, it, you know, it, it didn't establish why he does what he does. It doesn't establish like how he finds a bullet to the chest um, in the opening scene. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, it, you know, it, it, it looks cool. You know, I like the fact that he's got like an actual layer with a gun. It, it's yeah. basically Doctor No played by Peter Laurie. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, I, you know, I kind of like that. You know, he actually is a, a proper bomb villain, but you know, you know, he could have given us a little bit of a motive and a little bit of a thought process for him. Um, you know, why is he so obsessed? Why did, why did he even save? I couldn't family? say this in the written review because it's got to be somewhat spoiler-free, even though you've got to give a bit of setup. But mm. he's clearly got something, and I don't mean this in any kind of salacious or dodgy way, he's clearly got an attachment to young girls because he spares the young um, Madeline and he does seem like he wants to protect Mathilde for a period of time, but it's not consistent because yeah. you know why is he back revenge he wants me well he was sat in an office with you 20 minutes ago in the film he could have just fucking shot you or put you know there this is nuts he doesn't know james bond if this had been blofeld he might have wanted some revenge against bond but safin doesn't even know him so it, you know he could have killed madeline many many times over and even mm. when he gets her he's, he seems to have no intention of doing so he's going to keep her around but we don't know why yeah, we yeah that that that's one of the things. It's like okay, um, I quite enjoyed the henchman. Um, I'm yeah, not I sure. I, I I'm not sure what. I kind of feel I, I like I like some parts of uh, Logan Nash that character. He looked like he he looked like he'd been he looked like he jumped in this uh, as time machine from the set of License to Kill. I, I could see him <laughs> sort of hanging around the Florida Keys in that film. That's kind of how he presented. Yeah, I mean, there was. I think when he's opening his mouth, it didn't it didn't work for me. Stuff about sort of being like, oh, um, I'm a big fan, kind of thing, didn't quite 
grasp that. I didn't quite grasp why. I couldn't get quite a handle on it. But I like the aesthetic of his kind of bright, smiley, friendly well, face. Refer- but, Craig but refers as a, like, to him as book of, of like, Craig refers to him as book of, book of Mormon. Yeah. Where did you but, find? But you know book what I mean. But he's like, I, I like like the aesthetic of him, like almost like the, the, the smiley, friendly face. You know, he's actually a killer and he's yeah. actually trying to kill people. He's trying to kill Bond and all that kind of thing. I like that aesthetic yeah. of like the smiling yeah. assassin. Um, uh, I think uh, what, what's the name um, in in the CIA? The CIA. I, like, I enjoyed seeing uh, Felix back. Paloma. Yeah. Paloma. Completely fucking no point to her whatsoever, in my in my opinion. No, but it's a self contained scene. Scene, did you like it? No, okay. I, I mean it's fine. I mean, like the, the 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 action scene is fine, and she does it all very well. So it's like, it's not really like a critique on her. No, I, I thought, just I, thought her she, character... I thought she was great because the thing is, it's a bit like Knives Out. Because when I saw her in Knives Out, just as an aside. I couldn't see this great beauty because she was dressed down. She was a nurse. And also, she looks a lot younger than she is. So I thought she's way too young to play opposite Bond. But anyway, she's not a love interest. And then you see photos from her of her in this film. And you think, oh, she looks really elegant. And then when she opens her mouth, she's really klutzy and stuff like that. And that's what I like about her. She just, She's like a little blast of character. But yeah, in terms of the plot, you didn't need her. I get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it, but... At the same time, I couldn't get a handle on it. It's like, all oh, right, okay, so it's a hundred and sixty-three minute you're film. You're a bit of a kook. Yeah. Oh, I've been training for three week, three weeks, but I'm still able to sort of like jump around and shoot everyone. And it's like, yeah, but uh, she says, I'm, she I'm says, well, something the, like that. So she's lying about. I can't her training quite before. get the handle on that. I'm sorry. I, I just think, and given that a character literally just pops up and then buggers off again, yeah. I thought it, she, she might as well not be them. Bond might as well just gone there herself, and then it would have probably worked better because when. This gets on to uh, uh, Natasha, uh, new double O. Um, when she's working best is when she's like like sort of sparring off with Bond. So what when when she was at her best, it was like um, they're they're both trying to do the same thing. They're both trying to get this uh, scientist guy uh, doing like a really great comedic, you know, yes. Russian accent. Um, but he's. But they're like both like trying to one off each other. It's like you know, yeah, I kind of I, I enjoyed that aspect. Um, but again, with um, Natasha as a new double O, I Nomi. kind of could Nomi. not. not Natasha. Naomi, not Natasha. Sorry, Naomi. Um, Naomi. Like in Showgirls. Um, Naomi. <laughs> I couldn't quite get my handle on it because, well, I, well, I don't say handle. I couldn't really sort of get too much attached to her. A, she doesn't feel like she's in it as much as you, you'd think she'd be. But also. I don't know. It just felt. She, I said it felt better when they were like she was like, like sparring off with Bond. Um, I, I like, felt, can I just tell you what stuff my with critique. like her with like oh by the way I'm double oh seven. I like is uh, and, and I'm thinking right well that only means anything to like the fans. Uh, but I'm thinking to actual James Bond himself would he give a shit? No. It's Do you know what I mean? Over it's like, staff number. Yeah, it's like all right. And she's like saying, "Make it's like a, a big deal." And he's yeah, because like, oh, he's not a legend in his own mind, is he? <laughs> he, he, he knows yeah, he, he knows he was a good agent, but he's not a legend in his own mind. I, it, yeah, it just feels like what, why? Why is this complete emphasis? What? Who's this for? And she and she's like really insecure about it. When I like, tell you what, my problem with being no, a double O is no, like, oh, no, God, what number is he? What my number is he? problem with Nomi is, I, I think she was great, by the way. 
Um, I thought she was really good in it. And I think whilst people complain about these things being woke, most of the people who do that are fucking idiots anyway. But the fact is, it would make sense to have someone as different as possible from James Bond, right, in that role. But what it's doing is what this series has been yeah, doing I mean, since Skyfall. It, what it's doing is what it's been doing since Skyfall, hitting us over the head with the idea that Bond is the old way and the world has moved on and he now needs to prove his relevance again. We've yeah. had this now three films in a row and she is the physical manifestation of it. And I, it's right that she's 007 because that should be a little bit like so, someone's in her place. It reminds you that the world did move on without him. But at the same time, once you get past that little bit of sparring, she's not as much used to this as she needed to be. No. Particularly in the um, final I mean, scenes, which are contrived like hell to leave Bond on his own to die. You, you, you are you are right as well in terms of like she's basically like from a aesthetical point of view, from a like literally like um, superficial point of view, she yeah, she's the direct opposite of Bond. But I think would would you really sort of throw in anything more deeper like in terms of like I don't know, would she be a bit more bureaucratic or would she be a bit more tech savvy rather than you know, you know things like that? She the opposite of what Bond is. No, she's more or less him. Yeah, and it's well. With the only yeah, thing we don't but, see is really any sort of drinking and then, and or womanising money. There isn't, there isn't enough character for her. Really, it's just she's there as like. No, oh, well, I'm... it's all aesthetics, isn't it? She comes, she starts off mm. with a Jamaican accent, and then she drops the act, and then she gives him some sass, and then she does it again in the office, and she spars off him, and she does all that very well, but it is very surface, obviously. And I, yeah, and I think ultimately that is the problem. Um, and you know, while uh, I might, <laughs> I might, I might agree with some of the the woke criticisms that Hollywood does, um, you know. Yeah, but people I went mean, into not... this film determined to see that, and then they're, oh, yeah, they're now yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. retrofitting their opinion to what they did see. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing I'll, particularly the, woke about this film at all. Yeah, I think some people that, went in, you know, ready to kind of hate all over Lashana yeah. Lynch, and it's like she's actually kind of yeah. proved them wrong. What, on this this film is not woke, whatever it is. Yeah, no. it's not. But that's just as bad. But you know, it's yeah. forgive me for Hollywood to constantly sort of play with that all the time. I think it's going to be just as bad. Um, but there you go. I kind of thought it was, but, it was yeah. very similar to like Barbara Buck, for example, but I think, yeah, and I, I, I think, Triple X. They kind of up one, you know, one upmanship each other a little bit. Except you know, that, that was, was like kind of obviously very very different because you know, it, as you rightly said, Chris, you got to have somebody who's completely different to 007 you know to bond um but yeah i, I totally agree but it kind of it reminded me of a little bit of that, that relationship almost we're kind of like the opposite ends of, of, of the spectrum but that's really bad that's not what i mean but literally opposite ends of the line i suppose as it were yeah, as a little bit like that i thought that was pretty cool but yeah i totally agree with what chris has to say for sure yeah yeah i don't i think i think my only real i think what i was going to say about the woke well, criticism of, of like the woke way of thinking is is all very superficial at the end of the day, and this is why it leads to. Only um, a film. It is only a film. Um, and I don't think this film is particularly woke either. So no, it isn't. That's the point. No, I really don't want to get a debate in that because I don't want to be too alienating to people of different views, and that's fine. But I'm no. sorry, the use of that specific word when you're t- discussing these things on social media normally mark you out as a fucking idiot. No, it's just, it's just, you know, if you're kind of a bit resistant to change, just because it, you know, includes like, obviously James Bond is a male character, or both from being male, for example, but you know, as soon as they say, oh, you know, um, 
whole threads of people arguing how bullshit it is that Bond could be a woman when it isn't going to happen. Well, exactly. Russia James is Bond old, is a man. It but... is old man shouts at clouds. <laughs> Literally. I... Um... <laughs> It's so silly. so, so here, here's the th- here's the thing which actually kind of annoys me as well. Mm. So this is like the well, it came we came to the end when this does the the you know James Bond time. This can just throw fuel on the fire of the well James Bond's obviously a conate <coughs> because you know he died you know we, we see him die and then there's a new new Bond that re- resurfaced and you know what whatever year he managed to get that. <laughs> And you, and you just think... Yeah, but let fucking idiots think that too. Roger Moore, know, Roger Moore what, what, what I mean is George Lazenby's it, it, wife. It will just refuel that, even though in this movie itself. Yeah. It, it's just... Debunks that whole idea anyway. It, that is one because... thing that won't happen while Eon... I've got my flaws with Eon, but when while Eon are involved, that won't happen. Right? I can't speak mm. for if they ever did sell it and Amazon go, let's actually do this. You know, but... With the current stewardship and their children, if they take it on, for all the things they'll do wrong, James Bond will be James Bond, you know, son of um, Andrew Bond and what was she called, Monique? What was his wife called? Began with an M. Becca. What's Becca's? Yeah, it's it's French, isn't it? French, yeah. I don't know if it's Monique or something. But yeah, um, he will be, you know, raised that. I mean, Skyfall's just a movie universe, but, you know, born in Scotland, raised down in Kent somewhere. That will always be the case. It won't just be, well, you're now James Bond and you just happen to have a drink problem and have had a wife called Tracy. You know, it's just not the way it's ever going to work. And and I think what frustrates me about social media, although it no longer really angers me because it's just inevitable human nature, is people waste time arguing over these things. And it's just like, they're not going to happen anyway, so just chill out. It's not evidence of woke anything because it's not going to happen. No. Well, yeah, and and, and if if they change too much, that will cease to be Bond and it won't be successful. It's just there you are. It's just... Yeah. Um... But what's what's gonna say? Yeah. So you, you mentioned about the the future of the franchise. Now, yeah. now you mentioned something interesting to me about um, how Bob Broccoli referred to uh, Michael G. Wilson. Did I? Well, yes, because you, you kind of like they kind of presented it, assuming that he's been a very good producer, as if they're saying he, he's stepping down. Oh yeah, no, I just yeah, I just read something online, um, and it seems oh okay, sorry, it, yeah, yeah, yeah kind of seems to me as if. As if perhaps this was, um, but I, I, I don't think he is. This is just sheer conjecture, it's a sheer rumour, just stuff that you know we've been discussing in various groups um, and sort of threads that I've read online. Um, it just kind of seemed to us that perhaps maybe Michael Jewison was, was perhaps re- you know retiring from producer role because he's like eighty odd now. That's him. Um, but he might not. You know, he might come back in full force. Who knows? I say this is just purely just what we were discussing amongst amongst a friend group. But it just seemed like this was kind of like his um, his goodbye, his parting shot almost. Um, but it might not be. It might not be. I say that's just sheer speculation. That's not fact. Or anything mm. hasn't been reported anywhere else. No. As far as we know, they'll both come back to produce the next film. Um, but it's just something we were discussing. We kind of thought like it felt like, you know, his his goodbye to the series. But it's just just you know just chatter, idle chatter on our part. It, our part really. So. But he is old though. I mean, that's that makes me wonder because like when whenever we come round to doing these things, I mean, how 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 long is it going to be? But you've got yeah, Greg, and, you've got Greg and David involved. I would imagine Barbara being early sixties 
if they do hand it on, it'll be her with one of his sons for a while and perhaps him in a slightly less really active Greg, role. As you say, Greg might yeah. step in. Also, um, also, Michael Jawson has a cameo so, as Inspector so Agent, so he's firmly... quite busy being Inspector Agent these days. Yeah, I spotted his cameo a second time. <laughs> are you, um, so do you firmly believe um, that it will stay within the family, continue in the family? Itself. I sincerely I, hope so. You can probably I'm, only even though obviously you've got a potential deal with, with Amazon sort of coming in, but I really hope. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's known as you know the most successful family-run business, um, in, in you know movie making. Yeah. So I I really hope that it does. What I'm I would say sure, is, you know, what I, I would really say is, if I had to bet on it, I think if you start trying to talk 10, 15 years ahead, I think that's just too far given their age. Yeah, I think what they would definitely want to do is get the next iteration of Bond launched and they would like to get that um, relationship with Amazon working and into the swing of what it would be. I'd be very sceptical that they would sell off their share just as a streaming magnet has like taken it over uh, or taken over part of it. I still think they'll market it as MGM. They've effectively bought out MGM, I think, haven't they? Um so it'll still well, be... Well, do you notice the new credits as well? The new um, the new MGM logo yeah, at the start of the film? I thought, it, I thought, looked, really I thought cool. it looked really cool, actually. I liked it. Yeah, obviously it's the uh, same logo. Do logo, I think it like will it. stay with them? I have problems with it staying with them because, I, you know, of all the things I've said in the past, there's lots I don't like about what they do. But the one thing is, when you start talking codename theory, Bond as a woman, endless mm-hmm. spin-offs, Eon do protect us against that. Because it wouldn't happen on their watch. I'm very confident of that. Yes, yeah, once yeah, you get other I mean, people involved, they start messing it, <laughs> messing it around. Yeah. And then yeah, and, 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 and that's that's probably the good thing about them because they will, you know, they they, they are determined with, you know, with certain factors. Like, no, this is this is definitely the way things are with certain with certain key elements. It won't just be anything. Anything's up for grabs. No, the char- you know, they... Yeah, the character's changed, and he will continue to change. In the earliest films, he slapped women. He doesn't do that anymore. Until the late eighties, he was smoking cigarettes. He doesn't do that anymore. I, I suspect there'll be a degree of womanizing, but perhaps the way he interacts with women will change. And call that walk all you like. The world changes, and will continue to change. And we may, at some point, and and at some point, we might get to some iteration of the character I no longer recognise or like. But the rate of change at the moment is relatively slow. Or it might be young Bond. They might do the Charlie Hickson novels, or I don't want to watch him at school. I don't want to watch him at school. (laughs) I think that'd be. I think be really cool. Like they've been adapted to um, to comic. Again, uh, do do that on Amazon if you must. What I don't I want. The TV series. What I don't I want is um, I, I, I don't want a load of different products in the same timeline. So what I mean is I don't want a lighter thing at the same like time as Bond Marvel in the movie. same universe as <clears> in the films and Money Penny and all that. But what I wouldn't be adverse to is if you wanted to do a notion or what if this was him at school and we're actually going to set this one period. This is in the thirties. Okay, yeah, all right. Be good for yeah, I, I, I think I think it's either going to be. You know, it's definitely going to be another reboot. Now, the question is, what they're going to do? Are they going to like kind of sort of do? Well, it's probably going to be something like Goldeneye again, where they're going to just sort of it's going to be a few years, bring in a new Bond, yeah. and just kind of like pick off as if nothing's ever happened. Possibly. Um, and just like, you know, the audience wants an answer for everything now, or it's a plot hole. So I don't know. 
Um, I mean, um, I've, I've even read people who claim to be long-term fans going, well, how can you continue the series now? He's dead. And I'm like, well, you've had one fucking reboot. Yeah, what don't you get about this? Um, <laughs> what do you not understand? I'm going to harsh everyone's buzz now because or, we're... we're... You, you, Go on, sorry. You could. You, you could also, I know this is not something you've kind of said against, but you could go back to like, you know, 60s. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want that because that, then, that, then it tr- becomes a true tribute act. It's well, that, I that's, 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 that's no longer a real series. Then, they would be. That would, they would be fucking idiots would. to do it, honestly. Because well, I love the idea that get, it, get Tarantino it, in to no, do his sixties reboot. The thing is, it talks to my heart. I would love it, but actually, if you care about the series, it would be the long-term ruination of it. Yeah. Because it's just permanently living in the past now. It it already it already does too much of that. Uh, I'm re- I'm really gonna have to speed us on because we're nearly two hours in, folks. Shall we? This discuss... is gonna be our, gonna... <laughs> Shall... I doubt our longest show. Shall we discuss this film sequentially? Oh for, god! For five minutes because we've. Should we skip through? <laughs> Should we skip through? Let's just do like the main beats of the film because this um, is gonna be a long show and it's right. getting all the to eleven. Sure. Well, we're no, not gonna on. remember that much, are we? Because uh, like, I don't think the detail will be as much. We've already said everything, really. I think let, let's. So, I, I think we can go through the opening preamble. This is sometime in the early '90s. The fashion threw me off a bit because the coat she was wearing looks like that. You remember those T-shirts that used to like change colour with body heat? Oh yeah, there's like yeah, moon shirts. Yeah, yeah, but that was early '90s. So if she's the same age as Leia Seydoux, which I've not looked up how old the character's meant to be, but Leia Seydoux was born in 1985. This kid looks about 12, maybe. So yes, quite young. I was probably is, say yeah, like ten, eleven, twelve, and there so, somewhere. But so I, I probably could, late nineties. Like, last year or the year before, you could buy that multicolored coat that she wears. You could buy that from Marks and Spencer. Great, I missed out I don't out know if there. you still if it's still available, but you could buy it. I from... could have looked fashionable. Um, so this I, I is. I know a couple of the dads in the group well, did, um, did buy it for their children. If this is late nineties, this is like, and this film was supposed to be out last year. This is something like twenty-three years. Ab- before the events of the film how the fucking how old is Safi meant to be so that's another thing no one's fought for yeah yeah it is a bit aged especially because we don't see his face more we only see part of his face don't we he's so he's already scarred so it's been scarred for years he's already got the acne scarring yeah and it's um yeah I, I thought it might be Stephen Hendry for a minute but um no it, it was very I, so that throws that up but it's effectively what she told Bond about on the train in the last film. We're seeing that sequence where she, where he tries to get her to use a gun or take a gun from him, Inspector, and she tells the story about a man came to the house. This is that story. The um, the only thing is though, didn't um, Mr. White mention like, oh, she left me long ago? Yes, that has been oh. pointed out in conversations. I need to watch both films again actually to put that together because I'm not sure. I mean, I think the only thing you say, unless you got married again. That would seem a very uh, strange thing to throw into di- to dialogue. I met someone else and she left me. Nothing to do with madly. Um, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. Her mum's obviously a bit of a drunk. Lays on the bed all day. They refer bit, to wine bit, as her medicine. Bit, bit, bit of a shit mum as well. She's like, very, your daddy's a shit all. <laughs> yeah. What do you think your dad does? He heals people. He's a doctor. No, he kills. <laughs> Thanks for the wine. Here I am, chain smoking. Um, yeah. Mother of the year. Um. <laughs> and father's off somewhere doing his various contract killings and all that shit. Yeah. At this stage, we assume. Doing do, uh, do his non-quantum stuff. Yeah. Now, 
<laughs> if 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 Madeline knows the story of who that was who came after her, then presumably her father would too. So why has there been no attempt at revenge in the twenty odd years that have followed? Because plot don't know. Because plot, right? Fair <laughs> because enough. Because plot. This film just. A lot set... of these things can be explained away. We don't have to say plot. a lot here, though, do we? She falls through the ice and he saves her, sending up something you see with Mathilde later that she, he's clearly got. Again, I sound almost like a dirty man when I say this. I don't mean it like this, but he's got a thing for young girls. I just mean he's it, his his heart is open to looking after young and defenceless girls. And then we cut. To, it cuts to Leosedu popping out of the water. Uh, by the coast in Italy and there she's having a swim and Bond clearly spots mentally she's just been somewhere else mm. and um, yeah so they go for a drive um, he to says the, have... he takes the bend on the wrong side of the road which is dangerous but at the end of the film she drives that bend correctly so she's better driver than him. Yes and, and it's and it's a winding road much like in the one in Majesty's at first I thought it's not the same place. No. Um, but uh, I will have more to say about his liberal use of the traffic laws later in the film. So, um, <laughs> they get back to a hotel. This is all lovely, isn't it? I mean, they, they look comfortable in each other's company in a way they didn't in the last film. Matara behind them is gorgeous. And she's just saying to him, and he's quite playful with her because she's pointing out, like, you keep looking over your shoulder. And it's like, mm. we can have a row about this. And then the the idea of burning bad memories, you know, set and sending yeah. them to the ether. This is all quite nice. Um, I did wonder. I did wonder at this point how languid the pace was going to be. I think if we're following them in the pre-title, having a wander around, and we were going to watch them have dinner or something. But um, no, it actually it actually um, sort of springs along all right because they they basically go to the bedroom and you know do do what mm. young people in love do, and then the next morning she says about <laughs> young people in the fifties. Yeah, young. Well, yeah, he's. <laughs> finding out what young people do um and she says about vespa being buried here which again is like you've picked the location first hasn't you haven't you she worked for the british government and sounded french so she's either british or french i've no idea why she's buried in italy but there you go um, and um she so... said, yeah they wanted to bury her somewhere pretty so they didn't have to like you know go to like salisbury or something mm. i'm sure it's very nice becca but you, you wouldn't have a bond film there um so no go. although fun fact parts of the oh god the land rover chase was apparently filmed on salisbury plain which I, i'm not sure if it was used in the film probably not i think a large parts of it were made were filmed up in scotland uh Windsor yeah, Park i know well, i know scotland doubled yeah Norway. yeah i'd forgotten that obviously the obviously the road wasn't scotland but yeah no not the road obviously yeah. but any kind of like hillside or there's an amazing shot um through like a valley um and you see the uh, the helicopter kind of like chasing um overlooking them and then Bond um, I think, yeah, takes a champagne cork out and, and also Windsor Park sky. but yeah fun fact which oh. I didn't realise the other day I was like wow so, I, yeah, uh, I don't even remember noticing at the time so this is what we will later realise is this isn't present day this is right after the effects, uh, events of Spectre now with what we find out later in the film it's got to be a few weeks after at least they've been travelling around a bit and she's had enough time to get pregnant basically and know she's pregnant so um, although I didn't spot that on first viewing her grab her no spot. she doesn't kind of pick her moment to tell yeah. him really does she <laughs> so. well the first time I was watching their eyes and she looked more like shocked with the the pain just here but it was it was the, yeah she was like no she's remembering Christ Christ, I'm I'm pregnant. I've, yeah. Um, uh, it it could be wife like an instinctive thing it. rather than she actually knows it as well. 
It could be. My my wife noticed it. I didn't, but I saw it second time because I'd been uh, really aware of it. Women's intuition. Women's intuition, yeah, absolutely. Or just paying attention, unlike Or just pay so, attention, 007. Um, what, so, what uh, I will say about this, though, <laughs> he is... He asked to go to, going back a bit, He's he, she wants him to go to Vesperlin's to, uh, tomb to make peace with the past, which he already has, but fair enough. So he goes there and he says, I let her go a long time ago, but when he goes there and sees 23-year-old Eva Green, which is weird... Um, he says, I miss you. And then he notices a spectre card or just literally a, the octopus on it, a white, black on a white background. It blows up, but it doesn't kill him. I want to just say at this stage before I forget later, a sign, a, just a note of praise for the sound design of this film. We have him sort of deafened two or three times in the film, but also when he wears, when he's talking to Paloma and they're both wearing earpieces, there's a noticeable difference to the sound quality that there wasn't in the same way in something like Skyfall. Great sound design in this film. But he immediately thinks, how did they know I was here? Mm. So there's a car and a bike chasing him. One of the bikes, the bike is the guy with one eye who is in credits as Primo, though he refers to him as Cyclops. Um, and basically he ends up fighting He's both of those. He's a daughter of Spectre, doesn't he? He sort, of, he sort of says, she always be a daughter of Spectre or something like that. Yeah, he um, says, you know, she's with... Yeah, yeah regards from both of a daughter of Spectre. Yeah. But uh, he's quite cool, I did... The... I did sort of wonder like how he was going to fit in, but yeah, when he had like the bionic eye, I was like, oh, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it took us a while to realise his name's Primo. I was just calling him Cyclops all along. It's like that's an X Men character. <laughs> I don't know how much I want to say about the action in this. Really, there's a good stunt with him jumping off a bridge. Amazing uh, stunt. And then yeah, there's the, the driving the, the, the scene on the bike. Some bad face replacement, but you expect that. It, only in a couple of shots, that, um, it wasn't in, too bad. In the preamble, didn't we? We saw like, a lot of the stunts where they had kind of white dots. The stuntman had the white dots yeah. around their faces. It looks all right by and large. There's only about one shot where I noticed his face shaking a bit on Yeah, on, on I, I, to be honest, it wasn't until I saw it like, on I, I was lucky enough to go to IMAX screening that you kind of noticed it a little bit more. But otherwise, it, you know, it was fine. Um, the but visuals put, are largely okay. Up, actually, the the so. other thing is, when does he take his tie, tie off? That appears to be a continuity error. He's wearing yeah, a tie, like and that. then he's on a bike, and when he finishes fighting with Cyclops, he's got no tie on. He's got no tie on, no. Um, and I, I thought, did he just rip that off and we didn't notice? But anyway, um, he gets back to the hotel and he says, how did they know I was here? Now, if this had been a Connery era, he'd have slapped her, because it was that sort of reaction. Yeah, well, he, he does, says, kind of, he does grab they... her quite often. It does not... look like, it does like look a, like he's, he's been betrayed. To be fair... On the second viewing, I remembered he'd said to her, "You, when I come back, you tell us where we're going next. But when he comes back and they're like, your wife's already packed the cases. I don't know if they mean wife literally. Probably more just they've checked in under a married yeah, name. This is one. Um, she's packed up, so it does seem a little bit like Miss Taro. Is she ex- expecting him to come back at all? Um, <laughs> they get into the car and then we've got... I mean, this just knocks Spectre into a cocked hack. You know, that completely stress-free car chase they had in Spectre. This is great. It's shot well. Uh, stress-free. The, yeah, it was the, stress-free. The car looks great around these streets, and there's real peril. And she's screaming at him to try and get him to see sense, and he's just focused. One of, like, one, of the, one of the things I thought, oh, my God, this is like... Re-. One of part of Craig's performance that I thought, generally thought, this is... Like really bond like in 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 the coldest way because she's like shitting herself as anyone yeah. probably would be at that and he's just stood there like almost like emotionless just like yeah oh, I'm just gonna let this happen. That was at the end of the stretch where he, he he clearly goes through a period of just 
thinking, do I just let this happen? Because my life has yeah. just been ended, really, as, as of what I projected it was going to be. Um, so a great sequence. They end up getting away. He takes her across, puts her onto a train, and she says, how will I know you're okay? Cause if they said, is this it? And that actually choked me a bit because I think we've all lost people in life. It doesn't need necessarily mean relationships, but we've all said goodbye to somebody. And, I, and that did actually get me, and I thought, well, this pre-title has done more in its running time than they did with her in an hour or so of Spectre um, and he puts her on the train she does grab her stomach which I didn't notice and then we cut into the credit sequence now what I will say is and it's um, this is kind of like an explanation of probably why it's easier for uh, No Time to Die to uh, sell us a bit more on Madeline than Spectre did it's easy to sort of like to start when they're in love, like from the, from the moment we see, like the the film starts, you know, she's like literally sussing, gazing into his eyes. And it's, you can buy we've missed a few weeks. Their relationship has probably yeah. deepened since we last saw them. Yeah, it's like you know, well, we, so instantly it's a lot easier to start off with. But yes, it is a significant improvement to like. I mean, where, it was really, just before. a reminder. We, we all said this about Spectre. He meets her. They don't. Re- she doesn't really like him. Uh, she gets a bit drunk and sleeps, and then eventually, they, after a fight, they're all worked up and have sex. And then in the next scene, it's "I love you," and it was the most mm. bizarrest thing we'd ever seen. Um, but it actually works here. Yeah. And so they have redeemed this character. Is she best Berlin? Probably not, but they have redeemed redeemed her. And he's yeah. So he's but yeah, sent her off, and then we get the the excellent pre-title uh, sequence. Uh, the actual titles from Daniel Kleinman again, and what a very, very, very strong effort, if possibly. I like it at the start with the dots, because I just think like that could almost be a motif of the series rather than just Doctor No. Mm. The Majesty's things were a bit too on the nose, because I was sat here thinking, if Daniel Kleinman had done Honor Majesty's Secret Service, he would have done most of this, literally, you know, mm. with, if he'd been doing that film with the technology he's got now. Um... I don't want to say too much about that, though, except the song fits it really well. It's got a mournful tone, but not a depressive tone, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's 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 interesting here, actually, actually it, um, listening to the song in context of the film, because it suits... It's, descri- it's describing what's just whereas, happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like, I know like, Chris uh, wasn't the, as keen on the, the song, but it was a bit like No Good About Goodbye as the proposed song for Quantum of Solace described exactly where he was mentally at the start of that film. This does that now. Yeah. So, like, you know, my, my, my past has uh, returned. So there, there, no, return. yeah, there's no yeah. doubt she has at least read a plot summary before she's written this song. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to the... Uh, what we will later find out is a secret MI6 laboratory where they break in in Milky Milky. <laughs> yes, where random comedic uh, character is about to be murdered. Yeah, most of you listening to this will not get that reference because it's 30 years old for a start. And if you don't know, I was going to say that's quite an old reference. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Mary Whitehouse experience from there, the early there's 90s. There's also like a spy. There's also a spy character we also played where he was like, you sort of getting like sort of information or getting debriefed in a public place like meant to be undercover it's like don't worry no one knows where i am then mm. something explodes behind him he just goes right damn <laughs> damn and he was also hey what's this it's got a good beat and then a real like dad <laughs> dance it's funny but yeah so we've got three of them working there and they're clearly working on dangerous subject substances because they mention ebola and that sort of thing 
Um, it's essentially Porton Down, but it's not Porton Down. So it's just top secret research ability. Yeah. Facility well, here in before we get very far into this, um, Obrachev, he's called, gets a phone call. It appears to be from... Who is it the phone call from? It's Malik, isn't it? It is from uh, Rami Spectre will be appearing soon. No, no, I don't. I think it's from... No, it's from... Um, Sif Safin. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, no, you said... All right, okay. No. <laughs> so... Yeah, he was on the phone. Soon. Yeah, so anyway, he's basically told they're going to come in, they won't kill you, but they want this substance. And in doing it, he gets... Hugh Dennis's help, who's then shot at the end. They take the the guy out with them, and we don't at this stage know where they're going. But basically, this bio weapon has been stolen. We don't know much about it, and then we cut to Jamaica. Oh, actually, no. First, sorry, we go to MI6 first, where um, M says, "Where's 007?" Because he's just seen that this has happened. He says it's an off-the-books facility. It was a gas explosion. We're just going to say it was a gas explosion. Get yeah. 007. We cut to Bond, who we will later find they are not the same person. Um, 007 and Bond are now two different people, obviously. And he's like living in quite a GoldenEye-inspired house. It's not actually GoldenEye. No, it's not. They built this specially. GoldenEye doesn't actually look like this, but he did. You you will see photos of Fleming at like um, his typewriter and stuff, and there'll be blinds behind him that are echoed a little bit in the design of this place. They built this house specially for the film for this, for him. Um, mm. But it, it definitely does echo it. And it's Bond being Bond a little bit. I've only got one question. I don't, I'm not quite sure why he retired. Because uh, the whole point of retirement was to be with Madeline. If, if there's no Madeline now, and he was still an active agent, I am not quite sure why he retired. But he retired anyway to Jamaica, where he seems to live a life just sort of on the boat, fishing... Tons of alcohol in his living room. Oh, he's just had enough of this shit. Just like, yeah. Ton, tons of alcohol in his living room. But it's, it's just like in Skyfall, as soon as he hears Britain's under attack, he sort of comes back. Do you know what I mean? And you think within the mm. five years he will have been drawn back for something, but clearly not. And he just basically gets approached by Felix, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, you asked him to, hey, brother, one of the... Want to do a, a job me? You're the only guy I can trust. Yeah, and he says, well, why are you coming to me? He said, well, if you, I'm retired. He said, well, if you were on Her Majesty's, you know, if you were Her Majesty's Secret Service still, I wouldn't be coming to you because something's happened and the CIA and MI6 are not talking to each other. They've This Obruchev has gone missing and we just need him found. And I don't think at this point we really know why. They go for drinks to try and convince him. Mm. Um, Nomi is in the club with like a wig on and talking in a Jamaican accent and keeping her eye on him uh, and when they leave the bar she sabotages Logan Nash is there Logan Ash is there um, and he's like a, she, he's referred to by Bond as Book of Mormon because mm-hmm. he's very sort of clean living and enthusiastic he, he smiles too much yeah um, and they, they drink Heineken and uh, then when they go outside Bond's car's been sort of it's not working. It's clear Nomi's actually sabotaged it and then mm. gives him a lift home on her bike, which is a Vespa, isn't it, funnily enough? Um, and she kind of implies sex, but as soon as they go to the bedroom and he's drinking quite a bit, 
it's quite clear she refers to him as Bond and he's like it's Commander Bond she drops the accent and she basically tells him I'm a double O I'm double O seven Project Heracles is what this is called and it's off limits to you you know don't stay out of my way yeah so then they he, he thinks about it rings lighter says I'm in and then basically they both they all head to sort of Cuba at the same time Bond mm. goes via boat and she fly, sort of flies over them you know immediately that's her He's got to meet a lady there called and it, Paloma. And they got quite inter- a nice sort of arrive at the same time, don't they? And he kind of like, you know. Yeah, even though she flies over him, she should have got she got there way before him. But all right. Um, yeah, she waits. She nods and waves. She knows he's there. Um, and they sent. They said that the last place they sort of noticed where he was was he t- he was spotted on CCTV or something. I think a positive mm-hmm. match was found for him in Cuba. So that's why they've gone there. And his contact is a woman there who's going to try and get him into a Spectre meeting, which they've heard is happening there as well. And that's where Paloma comes yeah. into things. What did you yeah. think of the, the Paloma stuff, Becca? Yeah, I loved it. For me, um, uh, yeah, the Cuba, well, even though it's shot on a soundstage at Pinewood, the Cuba section's probably my favourite part in the film. Um, like the Spectre birthday party, I think it's pretty cool. Um, it was fun spotting Michael G. Wilson and uh, Sid Mann. And all the other agents that we've seen in, in the previous film. I spotted Michael G. Wilson on the second viewing. Yeah, she's he's kind of like he's dressed sort of in vaguely military garb, but he's a he, but he's a he's a Spectre agent in the room that Bond sees as he's wandering around. On the left hand side of the it, screen. It is blink if you miss him though. If you if you didn't very clearly remember what he looked like, you wouldn't have recognised him before he was gone. No, he just thought, oh, he's an old man with a beard. And he is but looking old, he is looking older now, and so on. And so uh, man as well, very cool. Um, but yeah, it's fun to spot all the faces that we've seen in, in the previous film. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's for me, Anandamas is probably um, the, the standout of this film. I mean, she is she's a bit ditzy, she's but she's very enthusiastic, um, and she's very good at her job. Um, and I just think her and you know, as you, as you mentioned, Dave as well, in um, in Knives Out, obviously did look, but she was obviously made up to look a lot younger than what she is. Yeah, I thought she was about eighteen. Um, I was stunned to find she was about thirty when she shot it. Yeah, but as, yeah. You, as, you, as you can see, you know, she's very glamorous and yeah. she's very capable. And they have great chemistry in Knives Out, great chemistry here as well. And hopefully she'll appear in the sequel to Knives Out, I guess. Um, I doubt it. It'll be a whole No, but it, there might be a scene together, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping she'll she turn jail, up and be accused but... of another crime. But no, it's going to be a whole new cast, isn't it? He's going to be the only carryover. Yeah, I suppose. They've finished shooting it now. They, they, they sh- they've just finished shooting it in Greece. They have, so it'll be quite exciting. But yeah, I... I she might appear, I don't know. Um, but either way, they had really good, you know, really good chemistry. Um, and yeah, as I say, she's a bit quirky, she's a bit funny, she's a bit ditzy, but she, you know, she she makes it count pretty much. Um, she holds her own, um, has some really impressive stunt scenes as well. Um, and it's pretty gutsy too. Um, but yeah, I think I, I love really the like fact it. that it's, she's it's babbling really and nervous. Of, of action and humour as well. So. I love the fact she's babbling and nervous at the start. Yeah, because she's like, oh, she's a three weeks training, and she's like the biggest job she's ever had, and she's a little bit like, oh. She couldn't remember the code words. He says something about a hat or something. Uh, Yeah, and she's like, (laughs) like, I don't remember that stuff. Oh, it's fine. I just get yeah. I I think that's really cool because usually we kind of you know we see those sort of scenes where you go, oh, do you carry a match or not? I've got a lighter. You know, better still until they go wrong or other passphrases like um, uh, in London, April's a spring month or something, for example. So it's kind of you know it's another bond trope. But it's kind of turned on its head a little bit, which I think is really cool. I would have liked to have known what that catchphrase if is. If I was to make, is. if I was to make launch a defence for her being here in terms of what is an overlong film, I think all three of us are, agree. 
I think it's the fact that the pre-title ended in quite a dark place with him losing his love. And now, now he's in retirement. Bond is never happy in retirement. I do think that sort of soul cancer. I mean, people like myself and Becca who've read all the books would probably spot that quicker. But a Bond in retirement is not really a happy Bond. He's not a purposeful Bond. No, as Naomi says, he's he's waiting. He's um, waiting his life out basically. He's just existing, and and um, he's making the best of it. But it's too much alcohol and no purpose really. And although the scene with Nomi was sparky, it wasn't fun. It was still depressing. You've kind of passed it. So to actually have this sequence, we needed, we needed a bit of fun. And I think I think, I think it was quite it... sparky though. I think it was pretty much you know he was kind of given, you know he was, as you say he was given a bit of sass and he was like I'm not going to put up with your nonsense sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's you know as, as you're going to say it's the blend of um, action, human. Yeah, I can't speak. Sorry about this. Apologies. It's quite late. Um, yeah, action comedy. <laughs> yeah. Now, what they what they want him for at this stage is to code this weapon to we find out kill all of Spectre because he's working for Safin, not for Spectre. And we see him mess around with the USB that codes it, and he's a, he's he's actually he, he kind of like switches it, doesn't he? He, he switches like... it because he's got Bond's DNA. He got Bond's DNA, and then he switches it for for everybody else's. For everyone else's. All Inspector's DNA. Um, this all become this is all reasonably well plotted. You might think it's an over the top plot, but this is all perfectly well understood. Uh, Blofeld yeah, looks to point, like up to a point. Blofeld looks like he's just babbling in his cell, but it turns out he's actually talking to them through that bionic eye, which is being handed around on a on a sort of cushion so that everyone can sort of say hello to him on his birthday. Mm. And then he spots James Bond. A light comes on. Bond is about to be killed because this was ultimately to set him up to do this. And it turns out because it's been switched, Spectre are just wiped out with the exception of Blofeld because he's in Belmarsh prison in the UK. And they need Oprachev back because they need to find out what's going on. So Nomi's mm. got him and is trying to take him back to MI6. Bond has promised Lighter to try to extract him, which he manages with Paloma's help. And then that bit where he runs down a corridor and turns right to go and get on the plane is the last thing he shot as James Bond. If you saw being James Bond, you see them finish that bit and then they have all the sort of tearful goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And he flies him out to the middle of the ocean somewhere where Lighter and Ash are waiting on a boat. And yeah, so this is where um, uh, Nash Nogan um, becomes like a betray, and they sort of take the, the shoot, shoots lighter in the, in the stomach. Yeah. Um, they have a, they have a fight, but um, and, and they explode the. Uh... Obrichev get, get, and Ash get away yeah. on that very plane, but they blow the thing up just after they fly away, which means that although Lighter might have been savable, enough for Bond to be quipping with him a little bit, that explosion and the water coming in and the amount of blood mm. he's losing, it's not going to happen. So he, with gut, uh, gut-wrenching emotion that he never showed with, with when sort of, what's he called, died in Quantum of Solace, Mathis, much more yeah. on his face here. And you, you do feel his pain. And again, I do think they've gone a bit far in running... Craig through the Craig's bond through the ringer. It's like it's gone past like what a tragic life, and it's gone to like epically unlucky. Um, but he gets away, and I think next thing we see, he's back in London at his lockup, and there is the Dalton DB, uh, uh, the, the Dalton Vantage, Aston Martin Vantage in there. Um, 
and it starts first time after five years and then he drives presumably with no tax or insurance and then parks on double yellow lines so as <laughs> Q once said to him you have a license to kill not to break the traffic laws I think there comes well, a point where kind of you just have to assume these things, don't you? Obviously, I you don't know. see it happen, I know, but there I comes know. a point where you just have to I assume. I don't want to see 20 minutes of him on the phone to direct line. <laughs> on the phone to DVL. And he doesn't have a fixed address in this country, so it gets a bit confusing. And If you've got a query, um, please visit our website, dvla.co.uk. I'm, like, I'm joking, but yeah, he jumps into yeah, his car. Yeah, there comes to a point where like, you stood there for five years. It starts first time, and then he drives it with no tax and insurance. And it's so clean as well. And it's and like the way it's shot as well, it kind of like you see, obviously there's no in between bit, so it looks like he he gets on the tanker, yeah. and then drives off, and I was like, how, how did that happen? Um, and it's obviously no, the tanker's arrived in England, and he's just gone to his lockup and retrieved his car, and it's just like, oh. yeah, because he was he was he was in like you have a, to fill in the gaps he was in a lifeboat and picked up by a thing that obviously but yeah, you sort of, sometimes this is what, this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes obviously it's a bit bond, it's a little bit ridiculous, but you do have to like suspend your disbelief a little bit. Well, no, you do, and it, things like in the Dark Knight Rises where you go, how did he get back to Gotham? And it's like that one you can say because he's Batman, he's resourceful, he'd figure it out. James Bond on a boat going anywhere will be able to figure out how to get back to the UK as a, a British citizen. So that's not yeah, really a it's problem. Like, it's like even when he's like his credit card cancelled, he still kind of has money to sort of. Yeah, uh, that doesn't bother me. Uh, What bothers me is the the, the sort of the the macro plot and what they don't tell us about Safin. But this is fine at this stage. So he goes back to MI6 as a visitor. Yes. And he uh, goes into CM. Um, He gets uh, a bit of stuff with uh, Moneypenny and uh, uh, Naomi. Banter heavy, like, all this stuff, and he's very. I don't really like. I mean, he was a little bit like this inspector, but again, I think this is the book reader in me. I know they're a different series, but I mean, when Connery spoke up and when M spoke, he listened, and you know, he tried. Lazenby did turn on M once a little bit, but he was relieved when they he was put back in his place because there's kind of a real respect and, and almost love there now this is Mallory it's not Miles Messervy so I don't know but just something about the way it was they were far far too abrasive with each other for my liking what did you think Becca I think you've kind of hinted you felt the same way um so what the, the M scene and all the rest of it yeah I think they were too abrasive with each other yeah, I do struggle with Bond and M relationship a little bit here. Um, but I mean, they, they still kind of, I kind of feel like, like my my biggest problem, my biggest problem with, with that scene is like, for example, um, when they meet, obviously after, yeah, this one, he says, oh, you know, he's like, oh, I certainly don't answer to Felix Leiter, and he says, well, that's because he's dead, and then he sort of goes, oh, I had a lot of respect for Leiter. I was like, did you, did you did really, you, did you even meet him? Not did you that. really, um, did you really, yeah. <laughs> find there are there. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll just so yeah, it, it's be, basically you, you thank you for your service, and we we thank you for your service again. And I just, again, I know. I just thought I was just being an ass. Just he's, had to, he's obviously had too much to drink. So and, now, you know, drinking Penny, too much during the daytime. It's drinking way too much. My God, you're thirsty. That got a really big laugh, and in most of the screenings that I saw, yeah, so I was, you know, quite chuffed with that. He's glugging it down ridiculously. He's got an alcohol problem. Oh dear. But he works a very stressful job, so I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, no, I quite enjoyed the scene. I mean, you know, you're going to get a little bit of, dare I say, banter between Bond and them. But yeah, there's 
quite a, you know antagonism here as well. Um, but it just serves to create some tension. But if a real-world equivalent of M did this, he would be fired and probably prosecuted. He has just let out <laughs> something he had no authorization to build in the first place, and it's not in character. He's a very cautious character. It in the first plot. film, he was answerable <laughs> to people. He, you know, he was very careful with things like Nine Eyes, and, and apparently, in all the years interim, and even before that, because I think this has been in development for about ten years. He's been building this absolutely lethal weapon that a moment's thought would tell you is a really silly thing to put out there. He thinks that it will target the enemy in that it will pass through people harmlessly till it gets the enemy. You kill collateral damage. But it's a programmable virus, effectively. So anything that can be programmed can be reprogrammed. So this is ridiculously, ridiculously dangerous. And instead, they go to see... Moneypenny takes Bond to see Q instead, who's getting ready for a meal with a young gentleman, and says, I need to know what is on this USB. The USB he got from the doctor. Uh, you know, from um, mm. the scientist. And it fills in all the gaps of what Q was already looking at. And basically, it's all of Spectre. Except Blofeld are now dead. When he looks into it further... He says, hang on, this can't just be Spectre. There's thousands of names on here. They seem to be, I don't know if he says it then or later, but he says they seem to be split into categories. He said, I need more time with this. So at some point we were supposed to return to find out who he was was being target, targeted. And in a 163 minute film, they didn't find time to do that. And it kills this villain. It just kills this villain as a, as a, as anything that you really care about because it's just a random kill people plan now, rather than anything targeted. I mean, one of the thoughts that I have with the, this whole idea of this nanobot type thing is like, what makes it really dangerous? I mean, I, I don't know, I don't think they established this as a fact, but the nanobots could go around and you could like program it to kill anyone you want, essentially. So you could let yes. the like, nanobots like go around the, the skills, entire world. Yes. Everyone has it. And but it's the like... fact that it, it isn't a question of the nanobots are finite, they're in me, I touch you on the shoulder, suddenly you've got them all and I don't. Mm. He's told it's for life. It doesn't matter who he touches, it's for life. So when they say, well, as long as you don't stay near the target, and it's like, it doesn't work like that. If everyone and everything you're touching is, is picking this up, eventually everyone's going to be a character. That's the whole idea. It'll just go around so it reaches yeah, but, its desired target. But in the film, they're saying just stay away from the target. And it's like, mm. anyone can spot a hole in that. It doesn't work. It is a ludicrously, ludicrously dangerous plan. And, um, and at and the as, same as time, said, Madeline... As I said, like, given given that, like, in the last film, M was very much, like, reminders of, like, or why this whole surveillance thing is a bad idea and how a license, you know, we're repeating the exactly same thing as Skyfall, a license to kill is also a license not to kill, yeah. which is something that um, Bond says to Q in, in a much shorter and to the point yeah. scene. Yeah. It's just, and it just completely contradicts what that character yeah. <laughs> to do. That's so like, my oh, problem. I know. And I'll to just, be fair, I'll... I'll give you the credit for sort of, I kind of knew it was off, but you put it into words. You were the one saying, well, hang on a minute, in the last film, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's what's off about it. That's what I'm having difficulty with. At the same time, then, so Q is setting all this up, um, and uh, eventually they will set up a meeting with Blofeld to see where Obrachev has gone. 
uh, see if they can find that out. But Safin uh, takes himself to Madeline's office. Madeline is in the interim, to much to Bond's consternation, has is been basically a um, psychiatrist to Blofeld. He's the only person yeah. she'll see. Um, which is funny because she was with Doctors Without Borders before. So, so what, what? How does that work? There's a famine in Sudan. Quick, let's get over there and talk about their difficult childhood. <laughs> all right. I didn't think she was that type of doctor, but all right. Um, and Safin visits her, shows her the mask, hints about, you know, saving a life makes you, gives you a bond to somebody. You know, he, he feels some bond with her because it, he mm. turns out to be the man that chased her as a child. And he says, all I want you to do... When she says, oh, you've taken everything away from me, she says, he says, that's not true. So he obviously knows about the child that we don't know about yet. Um, and he gives her a spray and says, put that on you before you go to see Blofeld. It's completely harmless to you. So she's now infected to kill Blofeld, effectively. And then I guess we can go straight on to the scene. Uh, 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 Tanner is trying to talk Bond down, you know, trying to calm him down before he sees... Blofeld, he doesn't look worked up, but he's trying to say, don't let him get in your head, you know, don't do anything, just be calm. And as he says, I'm not going to lose control, he walks around the corner and sees Madeline. And then he tries to be all business-like, you know, Dr. Swan, all that sort of thing. Shake his hand, shake his hand. Which she doesn't, at this stage. They go inside, and she is shaking. And then we get Blofeld take about half an hour to, like, wheel down to the front to talk to them. <laughs> this is ludicrous, you could cut minutes off this. Um... But uh, she she panics and says, "I've got to leave." She can't. You can almost it. make a comedy bit of like the, you even got the wheels creak and then like you just cut to like them just sort of looking bored and, and then like, looking, looking at, at watch. the watch. <laughs> so she panics. She wants to leave. She can't go through with this. But Bond and her touch, and she immediately recoils from that. So mm-hmm. what we will later find out, of course, is that Bond is now infected. We have this scene with Blofeld that I'm not really that desperate to go into in any depth. But he does say, she didn't betray you. She didn't betray you. I knew she would take you to Matara and I just had to be there to to pick it up. You know, he basically said, you know, on the cell phone in the car, thank you, Madeline, and all that, to piss with Bond's head. He's trying to ruin his life. He's trying to ruin his relationship. But now, for some reason, because presumably he has some bond with Madeline because she treats him, he feels obligated to tell Bond that there there wasn't a... um, a betrayal as it gets more um as he keeps asking who's the, you know where is this scientist gone and he keeps just saying madeline's name he does get over the top and tr- go to sort of strangle him which he doesn't go through with but as tanner comes in to stop him he looks around and blofeld's dead he's been infected mm. do we want to say any more about the scene um i think the only thing i picked up was uh, the reference to we only live, uh, you know, live twice, where he's basically strangling both elves yeah. and die, die, die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, funnily enough, I, I have read. Would have been nicer if he was actually the villain, though. But yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it's okay. I mean, it's not it's not a flaw particularly. I think it's okay. And and as fan service goes, it's a it's actually quite a deep cut because you've got to think. Well, firstly, most people haven't read the books. Um. And and as someone who has, I think I'd sort of almost forgotten how that scene played out. So that's just one yeah. of those things, really. Um, so she's now disappeared. Where he says, "Where are you going?" She says, "Home." 
But when when uh, is it Money Penny who says where 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 is she or Nomi? One of them says where's she gone, and he says I don't know. I don't I don't know. We we I don't really know her. Uh, but he does realise that he goes to the childhood home in Norway. And she sort of says something like, how did you remember? And he says, I remember everything. And I, I don't know if it was, if I'm ever in trouble, come here. Or whether she just told him where it was. Mm. This clearly wasn't where Mr. White was shot in the last film then. This isn't, the, he, he wasn't still in the childhood home. No. Although there are similarities. It does look a bit similar. That's and then we... Like place, place by a lake out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and Craig really sort of lays his uh, soul bear here about for, for what... Fi- and this is the thing that's tragic and I'm conflicted on. I'm all for the series moving on and not being the mindless escapism of, say, the Brosnan era, where I'm brilliant at everything and my hair never moves and all that shite. But when he said, for five min- for what felt like five minutes in my life, I wanted everything with you. And I just thought, your life has been fucking miserable why would I ever want to be you or or envy your life in any way Mm. and that's the one downside but if the series is moving on to less wish fulfillment where's the suave the suave is still there because he's still very sort of charming Mm. with people he's still very funny he still dresses nicely in plenty of nice suits he still drives beautiful cars I don't buy this you know it's always a bloke who says he looks like a plumber I'm sorry you sit with a group of women and talk about Daniel Craig he's adored so he's clearly got what he needs in that regard. It's a rougher type of appeal, but it's there. But the wish fulfillment now is in the cars, the foods, the suits, and the location. It's less so in the man. Yeah. Um, but he now meets. I mean, I think Bond would always be tortured, wouldn't you? He'd always have this tortured edge. But there's also. I like that it's there. It was there in Casino, but. There was still something like, about he was still living a bit of a dream, getting to be a double O and go and do this dangerous mission. You I think know? the the thing the thing that I, I would first have with Bond is that he's yeah he's a bit of a tortured and he you'd say he's like you know got a very very dark very mm. has very dark demons within him, but but given that what he does that's why he he is the way he is because he, he lives life. As if it could be a laugh. It's so it's like, well, and, oh, and part of him doesn't really care anyway. I I, 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 I eat, drink, smoke, and I, I, I fuck every, every, every chance I get because I could die tomorrow, literally. Every t- yeah, and how tortured varies because you look at the Moore mm. and um, Brosnan incarnations, and they're very much I could enjoy this because I could die tomorrow. The some of the other takes are a little bit more tortured by it, but there's still a bit of hedonism about it. Um, but anyway, the point is here, she's got a daughter mm. who is just the right age to have been his. So five years later, so presumably she's got to be four. If it's exactly five years later, she'd be four. Yeah. Um, she says it's not his, but I mean, she has very, very... I mean, if you look at certain pictures of uh, Leia Seydoux, she's got blue eyes as well, but they're not the light, the piercing blue that Daniel's are. Because she says it's not yours, and and he's like, but the eyes, not yours. Okay, all right. Um, now, the... this, now this one one point that I that I do take issue with. Well, slightly. I mean, I haven't seen it once, but what's the point of that? Oh, it's not yours, and then you continue to bond, continues to treat it almost like it is, like she is his daughter, and then it's like. 
everyone talks about it like it, it is his kid and then yeah oh we know before she tells him because something yeah. talked about it and he would know what I took it as is when they were talking about it and he said and Blofeld told me you didn't betray me He, she said something along the lines of I know you're not a man given to trust and I just think it's it's he's turned up and there's clearly still something there. I mean, they will end up spending the night together now, uh, which must be confusing for the daughter, but fair enough. Um, I took it as she's not ready to trust him and she's not sure if he's strong. I mean, he's left her once. He, he's not sure. She, she's just not ready to tell him yet. It's as simple as that. Um, the bit that confused me the first time is... We he then sort of calls in to try to find out. I think that's where he says there's thousands of names on this and they're in categories. But he's, he asks where uh, 007 is, Nomi. And he's shown where she is and she's right near where he is. And he said, no, I asked you where... No, hang on a minute. Logan Ash, I think it was. I asked you where Logan Ash was, not 007. Whichever way round it is, it's clear that she is pursuing Logan Ash... And if she, if he's being shown where she is and she's near him, then Logan Ash must be. And mm. I didn't get that the first time round. I thought she was, he was just so shown the wrong thing and decided to leave. Um, so they, they're now immediately on the run. They leave the Dalton car and they get in her, which she will have at the end of the film, and they get in this like Land Rover or whatever it is, and it's like a whole chase sequence at which. It starts with two cars, but it turns out to be loads of cars and bikes and a helicopter and mm. everything. And it effectively turns out Logan Ash is um, at the centre of all this. Really well done action, which ends in the death of Ash. You know, help a brother. I had a brother. His name was Felix Leiter. Very like the kick in the car off a cliff in your, for, for your eyes I only. would have preferred just, already had a brother. You know, um, and yeah. Uh, I thought, I, yeah, but again, that's a little purpose and weight. They always make the line a little bit longer than it needs to be, but it was okay. Mm. At the same time, Matilde and uh, and um, Madeline are hiding, but and he's given them a gun, but in the midst of it all, um, she runs out of bullets and Safin turns up and takes them both. And this is where we go to the final act of the film. They head off to the... Um, this disputed island between Japan and Russia, mm. which is um, was was Safin's family, then it got sort of taken by Spectre, and now he's taken it back, and it is a mixture of a farm and a laboratory with a garden full of sort of poisonous plants and stuff, at which he does sort of all of his work to create this sort of these toxins. Now I don't that were the nanobots anyway. Now I don't know if they were invented by the scientist or whether they were invented by him and the scientist used to work for him that's all a little confusing um but it doesn't matter and i think i'm going to start running down the plot related stuff i want to say at the moment um because this whole 40 minutes of the film i don't really like very much what um, do you think i think I think it's it's okay. <clears throat> like I said, I, I I enjoy the fact that they actually go to like a you know an island with with, with a, a, a villain's base up. Yeah. Um, I like yeah I like the design. I like the aesthetic of it. Yeah. Um, 
something yeah, and it, what he's good. wearing is vaguely kimono like but it's like a gardening mm. kimono <laughs> yeah. yeah but again I think when it comes to the it's just the general plotting um of it it's just like the, you know, the stuff with like the, you know he goes to Safin they have the conversation you know he's got the girl there and you're just like right okay when when we're going to start shooting or, or when you're going to start like explaining to me what exactly is going on they've completely forgotten that it's it's almost like they should have had a scene with q and i don't know if it's been cut or they've mm. forgotten all about it or they go right we know he's killing tens of thousands and we've already got this um simulation they're going to run where you see it spread over the world maybe they thought that was enough films are about opinions and so people some people might feel it's enough i certainly do not i think they left this plot really half-baked the- the one thing that I was a bit confused of, like, why why is there, like, a time-crucial thing? It's like, yes, the virus is on this island, but where is it going to go? We don't know where it's going, and we don't we don't know why have they got to shoot it down now. I mean, if, they, if the Navy know it, if the Navy know they're there, because he is effectively killed by the British Navy, if the Navy know he's there, and there are, like, boats leaving the site with this toxin can't you just intercept them um yeah intercept him and then look at like destroying the place once you've got him um bomb practically kills everyone there anyway yeah you you probably don't even have a staff to do it anymore to be honest um we don't know what they're doing in the water it's quite a nice shot you know with it all lit up and them sort of working in it but god knows what they're doing it's incredibly poisonous but i don't know what they're doing um Again, it's one of those things that don't think too much about. You know, he says, he takes the daughter and he says, she'd be staying and you'll learn to like it here. And then later with Bond, he says, you can take the girl, but I'm keeping Madeline here. Then he actually takes the girl with him. But as soon as she bites and says, where's my doo-doo, like her toy, he just goes, well, go if you don't want my protection. And she does. And it's like, and then they, you got... Uh, Nomi very ruthlessly killing everyone she oh, needs villain. to kill. Oh, villain, he's not really villainous, is he? No, and then you've got... Like, ha, 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 I've got you now, I want to go, all right, then go then. <laughs> Nomi's killing killing everyone she needs to... Um, uh, Nomi's killing everyone she needs to kill, and then they partner up, and that nice bit where he says, this is my... and he mouths family, cause he, but almost incredulous, like, I can't believe I'm saying that. And then you go, right, they're all going to go for it now and they'll put her somewhere safe and the two double O's will go and take this down. And But no, Nomi goes to babysit them instead. And Bond's like, I've got to finish this. And it's like, I'm sorry. Because Madeline can't drive a, a, a boat. Presumably she could get by to get away from the blast. And the point is... Who's the fitter, who's the fitter most... Who's the most match-fit 007 at the moment? The double O, I mean... I mean, Bond's been out for five years. Unlike in Skyfall, he seemingly kept himself fairly fit, and his skill set is st- clearly still there. But she's a younger, fitter, more um, up-to-date and active agent. You wouldn't send her babysitting. Bond would go and look after them, wouldn't he? Um, now, where the, what I said earlier... I, I would s- say Bond is probably more of a wrecking ball, though. Yeah, but, if, yeah, but if, this, pro- if this was Blofeld... You'd understand the river, you know, the it's personal now angle, but <clears throat> neither his 
partner or his daughter have really been hurt at this stage. He's okay at this stage. He's got no history with Safin. The more you think about it, the more you're encouraged that perhaps you shouldn't have thought about it. So Bond, Bond Solo is going to be sort of opening the, the, the doors so that the blast can penetrate the building and blow everything up. He's got M on the phone saying um, this is getting diplomatic because it's a disputed territory. You could have Russia and Japan on your back. And he said, we've got no choice. If we don't stop this, there'll be nothing less to save, which was in all the trailers. And he says, just tell the Navy to fire. And once they fire, he's got nine minutes to get out of there. What, what also I don't get is, like, they, they, they make, like, a, a brief point about, oh, do we have jurisdiction? Are we able to do this? Or this, we're getting, like, you know... And then it's just like, oh, right, well, we'll fire on this island. And that's and nothing's mentioned, no repercussions of anything, no like, you know, wars are started because of like you've you fired upon what is te- might technically be foreign territory. Yeah. It's just like nothing's you know, it's just all and I just think, well, I mean I get you you know, some people might might might, might They're trying to that, raise but... the tension, that's all they're doing. But, but at no point do I worry if, about if, it. If, I... if if you're not gonna if you're not gonna sort of like like make a problem and then create a solution don't bring it up then well because the thing uh, but the thing is we know bond's relationship with m in this film bond is going to say to m don't worry about it that's what he's going to do he's going to say to m don't worry about it he does and they don't so that's that and having opened all the blast doors really easily when q's going to talk him through it from a manual as he sort of disappears out finds the kid's toy which just made me think of star trek generations Dropping a toy as an emotional thing is... But they didn't use it, her missing the toy as the emotional beat. It was him finding that link to his daughter to die with it. So I'm kind of all right with it. But of course, as soon as the blast doors all start closing again, you go, well, that's that's got to be Safin. He's gotten back in and shut, opened, shut it again. And of course, hmm. as Bond goes in, not paying much attention, he's shot well, twice. He's he shot just thought, well, that's, this is going to be Bond definitely dead now. Yeah, and they, he's shot two or three times. Um, brutally breaks his arm, which I like, just because I, I just like... Mm. I just remember watching Skyfall all those years ago, and there was that fight with Patrice in the sort of disused um, skyscraper. Mm. And everyone said how beautiful it looked, because it had that those lights in the background. And they're true, but the fight was shit. It lasted a few seconds, and you could see them pulling their punches and kicks. It... it this this is as brutal as it's with the exception of the train sequence which was immediately undermined by the sex scene right after this is as brutal as it's been since quantum of solace uh but of course he infects bond he's got a vial programmed with madeline madeline's dna to infect bond with as a sort of insurance as he says earlier so now safin is killed uh, Bond is, has been it shot several times. Yeah, he's been shot several times. Bond, he can just about get up. He's losing blood to open it up again. He gets on the phone to Q and he says, "How do I stop this?" Now, I think he already knows that he can't stop the infection, you know, in himself because he's told it's for life. But as he's asking it, he's already getting the ladder ready to go up on the roof. He knows he's mm. going to be told there isn't because that is not the way out. Um, what do we want to say about it? He's put through to Madeline. 
to say we you know you've produced the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and she says it's got your eyes she realizes infected lots of tears and then he quite sanguinely sort of takes his death from the royal navy oh and you have all the time in the world reminding us again of a slightly better film <laughs> i did cry a little bit i must admit i did shed a little bit of a tear i was like oh, i didn't i didn't i wasn't that emotional about it at all I mean, the film. I, saw, I think it's from like okay, the second or third I had to leave it a little bit early and was like, I'm sorry, I've got something in my eye. <laughs> what's, 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 what's really weird about this whole thing is do you remember when um, Danny Boyle was going to do it? Yeah. And he was going to do something really radical. Yeah. And there was going to be a speculation that he was his idea was actually going to to kill Bond. Yeah. Now, was that actually his idea? You do wonder, is it the other way round? Are they saying, right, that our idea is we're going to so kill this Would, would Danny Boyle give us actually something yeah, more Yeah, maybe that's why you left. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we'll, we'll ever know now unless he speaks about it. And I think he's a gentleman and he won't want to speak about it and step on Fuganaga's territory. And no, he unless won't want to, he, he, he anonymously won't, publishes a tell-all. He, he won't. You know, yeah. he maybe one day. Does. Maybe one day. But what they've yeah, all done is said diplomatic said, things. Yeah, I think he said it's not fair to sort of to say anything before the film comes out anyway. Yeah. At least you got like let let the film come out and then. I think. You might. I I mean that I got. I got a little bit emotional when he said goodbye to him on the train. That's more about losing someone you love from your life than it is about losing your life. Uh, I the Felix one I just thought was a bit predictable. I don't know why, but I thought I I think I thought Felix was going to die, and I wasn't spoiled on that. I don't think. I was. No, I, I, wasn't I, I was. I, I wasn't ready. I, whilst I was spoiled on his death before I went in, one the one thing I'll say is, come on, I've seen thousands of films. The moment they introduce a daughter, he's dead. So yeah. by the time it was happening, I was like, how's it going to happen? Not is it going to happen? And when, when 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 Nomi wasn't there at the end, I'm like, right, this is just so he can die by himself. And then he's infected, and I'm like, another degree. You've got to take, you know, you've got to take his wife from him, so it's desperate. Can I not undo this? Nope, absolutely not. You nope, know, it's like, that's, permanent. That's no, no, but it's not just that, for Christmas. That's convenient, isn't it? I think, why don't you mm. just castrate him while we're at it? Because you're putting him through enough pain. Um, but that's it. Uh, I didn't have any strong feelings about it. I thought Craig's played it really well. The one thing I'll say, he's meant to look a bit beaten down at this point, to be fair. But in that last sequence, I was like, as good as you are, it's time now. You look too old. As I looked back on some of his earlier shots in earlier films, I'm like, this six years now, or four, five years in terms of filming, has sort of made the difference now. You are... You, you, you're still convincing in all the action. You're still super fit. You're still young enough to tell stories about... But you are now looking at that point where you go, right, it's time. And I think as great as this incarnation as Bond has been, it was never going to end anywhere happy. And I th- I think some of that... Was either going to be like he's retired or dead. He wouldn't, he wouldn't <laughs> so do that. But Bond, it, fundamentally, because there is some of the book Bond in the film Bond. and mm, there is. Book Bond is not happy doing nothing. It just doesn't work, and it, it there's enough of that DNA in this. Find something else to do. Um, it yeah. says the Majesties. Uh, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, final thoughts from me. It's been a very long podcast, so I don't want to say too much more. Be clear, I really like this film. I think it's very good, and I think it has emotional beats in it that are 
indescribably moving in places it's beautiful to look at they even bring back a car i resent being there and make it look pretty good in this film some of the nods are really subtle like delectados on one on the one hand it's, it's quite safe because they're constantly calling back to their own history but on the other hand it's undeniably ballsy to go into this direction I am not quite comfortable with Bond having a wife and daughter running around. That just doesn't sit quite right with me. But if you're going to do it, they've done it in a very professional manner. The only thing I'll say is the final act of the film is too bloody long. But that might just be because I knew where it was going. I, you know, 40 minutes to kill him. You know, when th- these films, it's normally more like 20. Uh, I like it. It's not as good as um, his first film. For me, some will disagree and have a more emotional reaction to it. But I think the simplicity of Casino Royale as well, it's its just perfect and it's very Fleming as well. And then you've got like Quantum of Solace, which is very flawed, but I liked that take on Bond. I think I look at Skyfall and I think for the problems I've got with Skyfall, it's simpler than this. You know, it's 20 minutes shorter than this. It's got a better, t- it's got a better run time than this. Um, and it, it's got a simpler story than this. Spectre's caused the problem. It's it set up a load of things and then just at the end went, he's driven off, retired. And it's like, well, that's not going to hold, is it? He's got to come back. But now you're going to have to bring back Blofeld and explain why he's still around because I'm, I'm sure you won't go without him. You've got to try and get rid of Madeline Swan because he can't just be wandering around with a wife in tow. He's retired, so you've got to get him back in the service. I'm presuming you'll have a, a replacement you then have to like deal with. And I just thought, just to get this James Bond back to the start line takes so much heavy lifting. And the film is is just overstuffed as a result. I look at it and I just think, I do feel things, but I think, am I feeling things because of my legacy with the series? You know, I choked up at the end of the... I don't know if I choked up, that might be an exaggeration, but I certainly felt something at the end of the terrific pre-title. But am I feeling it because... You're bringing back lots of little things from Majesties and even using all the oral cues from it. So what you're reminding me of is this film from 1969, I think, is a masterpiece. Um, Daniel Craig now might be the best James Bond, actually. I think what damages his era is, like Chris says, this total urge to deconstruct all the time rather than give us anything like traditional adventures. But he's been asked to do more with the role than anyone else ever. And he has a screen presence that Dalton didn't quite have. Dalton was brilliant in the role, but he only got two goes at it. So he, he never got to take it this far, even if they'd been minded to. So I don't think it's special. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I do think it's likely to be top half and probably quite comfortably if once I get more familiar with it and, and think about where it belongs. Um, so it's a win. They've, they've, they've tipped the Daniel Craig era into the positive, whereas I think a negative one, you'd have gone three entries are a bit so-so. Um, and they've given us a top half bomb film, which is all you can ever ask for because this is a long series that's run a very long time. But this film does have problems. I enjoyed it, though. What about you, folks? Barca? Yeah, this film is a lot. <laughs> um, a lot of that's a, that's a lot. Well, it does. You know, it's the longest. It's got a lot to pack in. You've got the legacy of Spectre. You've kind of got all the relationships. You've got the new characters. You've got Nomi. You've got Paloma. Um, you've got Safin, who is very... Yeah, I didn't really mention him, to be honest. Um, yeah, obviously, this is probably what would have happened had Freddie Mercury gone off the rails and not made music. <laughs> he would have. Um, there's an alternate timeline here yes. where it's the same yes, person. He, 
He would have tried to kill everyone, yes. This is it, <laughs> yes. He would have gone, no, I rebel against my parents and create an island of death. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, you know, Safin's quite, I think he's quite a memorable villain. You know, he's got his kind of pockmarked, scarred face, um, outrageous accent. Um, he looks of a piece with the classic series, doesn't he? He does, definitely. He kind of looks, a, no offence to him, but he looks a bit bug-eyed as well, like in the pool, like after he's had his arm broken and all the rest of it. I just think, oh my God. It's a bit like, uh, yeah, I, I noticed that with the eyes, because I was thinking it was a bit like uh, sort of Dr. No, but, uh, Peter Laurie, like I said earlier on. Definitely, the, the, he very, very big, prominent eyes. But he's very, very creepy, definitely. I just kind of feel like he's a bit underwritten a little bit, but he, d- you know, does really well with what he's got. Um, and I mean, it would have it worked well if he was like a secondary villain and it turned out Blofeld was still the main bad. Yeah, yeah, that's true, I guess. So, but, so I think, you know, but you're, you're so powerful that you can run Spectre from Belmarsh Prison, but you're not so powerful you can get, like, Spectre to get you out? Particularly yeah, with, it's just Particularly like... with a targeted weapon, you could kill all the fucking guards. Yeah. Maybe, like, Bond, you know, he's he's resigned to his fate and thought, well, this is how it's going to be, you know, for the next next hundred years or whatever. Or perhaps he, he expected, you know, expected Madeline to... Uh, to come and put an end to it all, you don't know. Um, but no, Saffron, you know, he's he's kind of up there with memorable Bond villains, definitely. Um, I quite like the the Japanese aesthetic that he's got. Obviously, where he's obviously, I think he's meant to be Russian, I guess. Um, but the the is. island is kind of between, you know, well, Japan I mean, the and only Russia. Saffin I've ever known is Marit Saffin, who was a Russian tennis player. So probably. Yeah, I, I couldn't sort of, and obviously the the news cuttings about um his about his family's death are in are in Cyrillic as well. Um, but yeah, I. I kind of obviously you get that kind of visions about you know all this aesthetic like the furniture that he has um and the time mats and things like that and also um i, I can't dog it so I, I can't pronounce it really well i have to ask my friend who's learning japanese how to say it but it's basically like when you bow really lowly and like when you show you like the back of your neck and apology sort of thing yeah. um and also other etiquette for example so he sits um Cesar, like behind the behind the desk which is really uncomfortable it's meant to be really good for you but it bloody hurts mm. um and things like that, and sort of aspects of sort of furniture and, and the clothing that he wears is obviously very Japanese inspired by like by samurai and things like that, which is very cool. Um, but for me, a lot of that kind of goes unexplained. Like I, you kind of have to. It's just to the to the. It's gonna sound really rude. I don't mean it to be sound that rude, but like to the lay viewer, to the uninitiated, it seems just kind of like a quirk about you know his villain character and maybe a callback to Doctor No, for example. Um, but you kind of really have to know. You have to read the novels to kind of understand more about it. So you have to go back to your end of twice to know more about. Yeah. Garden of Death and a Shatterhand and things like that, for example. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't talk about the villain so much, but no, I think it's pretty good. Um, a little bit underwritten, a little bit underserved, um, but does really well the material that he's got, and he's very creepy um, and very well cast. And I think the whole cast of this film, absolutely top notch. You know, top notch. Nobody misses a beat. Everybody's on fine form, um, and it's nice to kind of see everybody get a role. You know, nobody is too much underserved by this. I don't think. Um, Everyone's, you know, even cast and crew firing on all cylinders. Um, yeah, for this film, on my first watch, it was it was a lot. <laughs> it took me a couple of goes to fully appreciate it. Um, with, on the various JBR threads, we're kind of ranking where where would we rank this film in terms of um, in terms of like Daniel Craig era. I think for a lot of people, it kind of sits around the middle, the bottom perhaps. Um, like for me, I think sooner I are still up there. Then probably maybe Skyfall, perhaps. Then maybe this film in there somewhere in the middle, then um, Spectre and then Quantum. Um, but it may change, and I don't at the moment know where it where it sits overall. Perhaps somewhere in the middle, perhaps 
I don't know where it sits in, in the ranking of all the Bond films. Um, we're ranking the theme tune as well, ranking the theme song. Um, quite like Billie Eilish, uh, ranks quite highly for me. Um, although having said that, I really like Sam Smith, but I've not, uh, the more I've listened to it, the more I've watched Factor, I kind of, it's gone down a bit in my estimation, even though I do love Sam Smith as, as an artist and musician. Um, do love his music a lot. Um, so yeah, that would kind of a little, it would sit higher in the table for me. Um, I think it will take to, you know, for its home release to come out and then I can, you know, try and fully appreciate it and try and slot it into where it's going to go in, in the 25 movies. Um, but yeah, no, despite the, the downbeat ending, very sad, not too keen on Bond dying and having a family because he's meant to be Lone Wolf. Um, but having said that, there's lots to love about this movie. This is everything you could want in a Bond movie. You've got the locations, you've got the action, you've got the adventure, you've got the excitement, you've got thrills, you've got amazing kick-ass ladies, um, you've got gadgets, you've got guns. Um, it is, you know, until all intents and purposes, it's a classic Bond movie. And despite that downbeat ending and the overuse of Majesties, I did very much love it. For all the complaints, I'm with you on the very positive. But uh, I just think it, it could have been even better. It could have been, yeah, definitely. It's, it, anything like that, uh, you know, especially considering the, the conditions, you know, under which they made it um, and all the issues that they had, obviously releasing it due to the pandemic and one thing or another. Um, I think, you know, as a team effort, it's 100% solid. Um, and for, you know, for a film that's got a, a lot of firsts in it as well, like first IMAX, you know, first American, first Asian American director, um, first female writer as well. Uh, no, 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 not first female first writer, Joanna Harwood, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely one of the first after Joanna Harwood, and the first and only after Joanna Harwood. First Harwood. one for a very long time. Um, definitely. But yeah, apart from that, you know, fantastic. I mean, it's nothing. nothing's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is. Um, there are some bond, mini Bond films that are near perfect. This is maybe one of them, but I say it's lots to love, lots to enjoy. It is very, very flawed. Um, but yeah, lots to enjoy, lots to love. And yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Thank you very much. After four times, I bloody well think so. <laughs> anyway, Chris, sorry to ramble on. No, well, it's fine. I mean, I've only seen it once, so a lot of my uh, feelings I've seen, are, it. I've seen it for oh, you. I've seen it for you. Thank you. Oh, big kind of you. <laughs> you don't um, see it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be going again. I mean, I mean, oh, okay. good. I mean, I could, I could have watched it. I could have watched it again um, before, but because I've already, I've already got plans to see it probably at least another two times. I didn't want to over. Uh, I didn't want to over, overdo it because you know, you know, you get sick of it sometimes. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> where I am now. I've literally just gone right. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't want to get to the point where like, oh my god, I've got to sit through this again. <laughs> so that's what I'm kind of thought. I'd uh, give give it a little bit of break, but um, yeah. So yeah, my my feelings are, are said a bit more uh, emotional. Generally, generally speaking, the films are actually very good. I think um, while plotting aside, need to be a bit more thought through. I mean, but we're all kind of used to that shit now. <laughs> quite frankly um the the craig era in itself i find i find myself uh, really thinking of this film as like the full stop and i think of it as the craig era as a whole um and i've enjoyed i've been excited and i've been frustrated in equal measure um I said, is I that said, an air of making before. shit up as they go along and then at the end going, yes, this is a cohesive universe, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also been like, oh, just give me a traditional bomb film, please. I'm I'm thirsty for it. I'm 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 like 
I, I just want like I just want the, like the you know my I'm I'm a I'm a traditional guy. I want I want I want my I'm a Bond fan. I want my traditional Bond film just to satisfy my urges every once in a while. And when Spectre comes, you know, and the things with Spectre in this film kind of almost like tantalizes that. It's like oh yes, that's that sounds like a fun and you got the you know the you know, the Garden of Death and all that shit. It's it's like oh you're almost there, um, but I feel like. To, the, to, the, to this film's credit, it kind of knows, it it, it knows that to go all out. You know, this is whether you like it or you hate it, you're gonna go all out on it. it, it it's you, you, you're gonna remember it. It's gonna be regardless of what you think. People, are, you know, you, it's just gonna be like a standout Bond film. For you know, no matter no matter where you sit on it, people always sort of put this as like it's always gonna be a talking point. You know, for years to come, this will be like as much as they say, like Last Kill or Majesties or Golden Eye, Dying of a Day. And you know, the, you know, regardless of what you think of those films, they are monumental. This is monumental again, um, probably more so than any of the other Daniel Craig ones. So um, it has that going for it. Um, I just wonder what's going to happen next. Are we gonna get another bomb film in five years' time, ten years' time? Who knows? I think you might be right, Chris. I think it could be a, a bit of a waiting game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was ten years, to be honest. I don't, but I don't, I don't agree. I think you know there's a blank slate wherever they can go, as we discussed at the top of of the show many hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it can either go you know back to back to the sixties or back to school or start again <laughs> and. <laughs> Take Master Bond to school. Back, back to M- 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 that's MI6 training school, yeah. Yeah, back to the training days. Um, or you could, you know, they could literally go back to you know the Roger Moore era or back to the Bosnian era or, and, and do that traditional Bond movie where you've got like a standalone adventure, random villain, volcano layer, Bond survives, gets the girl, disco version of the theme tune, you know, and all is well again. So. <laughs> One could hope, eh? <laughs> One could hope. I mean, we, we, we could have that. I mean, I mean, I, I my general feeling it's going to be something to a kind of golden eye. Um, but I just, I just wonder, you know, how long it's going to be. And yeah, it'll take a while, won't it? Um, yeah, it'll take and, some and time. We shall see. And that's the frustration. That's probably been more, if anything, my frustration is just how long it's been. Yeah. Like how it's really long been like six was it? Years, well, from... five years or whatever, and then we had obviously COVID dilly on top. So it's been like what six years, and it's just like oh. But it would have been four years even if they'd stuck with the same director and stuff, and that's just too long. But it is what it is, what it is, and the Daniel Craig era is over. It's now come to an end. So thank you everybody for your right. service. And I think we'll probably call tonight's episode there because we're coming up on three hours. Um, <laughs> This so, is our longest show ever. As for social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can find all the other episodes at cinefarts.co.uk. You can, if you can't find them on the on the podcast platforms, you can find them all on there. And you can follow us. Do you expect to talk on Twitter? You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, wherever you like to listen to us. Please kindly give us a glowing five star review helps us to rank highly in the search engines and attract more listeners. And the funny thing is, there was a film that I, in both a written review and now a three-hour spoken review, I've forgotten to mention 
a film that was an undoubted influence on Eon for No Time to Die. Which means, Becca? So yes, after Bond, we will be diving back into the world of X-Men. Once we finish off that review series, which means do expect to talk, we'll return with our review of Logan.